right. Hello, everyone. It's uh, part two. Part two. Back again. There's my dog scratching at the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, you're listening to Sync Ratios. Uh, it's a week has passed for you. M- mere moments have passed for us. Uh, or Luke's house. I'm Ben Collins. I'm Luke Piotrowski. This is my house. That was my dog scratching. I don't know if you could hear her. If not, you will. And? Uh, Kevin Phillips. Back, back again. again. And I'd like to hear Kevin Phillips... I'm going to protect him from this Welsh Corgi. <laughs> I'd like to hear Kevin Phillips talk about this, some of just some of the filmmaking uh, in the movie throughout, because I know that's something that you really respond to. And we kind of touched on some of it, but we spent most of the time just analyzing the last line of the movie <laughs> and didn't really talk about much else. So I don't know if you have thoughts. I don't mean to put you on the spot. But. Oh, no, come on. I mean, this is, for me, the penultimate, right? Like, this is like, uh, you know, I said it before, and I've spoken a bit you know, when I've had the opportunity to, to on this podcast about how how appreciative I am of like the craft of this show and like the stylistic stylistic decisions in the filmmaking uh, to kind of you know create the overall tone of this like otherwise pretty complicated narrative, um, and it's just like this you know I mean what we see in this movie is kind of like, you know, like the perfect encapsulation of everything we've seen up to this point mm-hmm. um, in tone, except it's pretty fucking dire. It doesn't have any of the levity that we see no. earlier on in the in the season. Is there a single joke in this movie? Hmm. There's shit to laugh at because it's so absurd and because, you know, I think it just like reaches that like kind of place. Mm-hmm. I think the closest we get is a pen-pen reaction shot of like Shinji yeah, throwing right. furniture. Mm. <laughs> He's just like... Ah! That's true. <laughs> but everything else, I mean, I, I, we, you know, I said it out loud while we were watching the, the flick just a bit ago, which is like everything is so fucking severe in this movie. Yep. Uh, it's just brutal and it hits hard. And it's doing a lot narratively over, you know, a, a, a decent stretch of time. But it's getting so much information across at like a pretty incredible pace. Um, yes. And that's. That's in part due to like this, like this unbelievable team that's like crafting this thing. And what we see are, like we said, you know, sequences of animation, uh, just sequences of edits that are just like firing at like you know, um, just, they're just like really hitting their mark, like kind of mm-hmm. bullseye after bullseye, scene after scene is just like so well executed. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, it's especially like, I mean, it's interesting. So like. In this will lead back into the specific discussions of that, but it's interesting that like the first half of this movie is kind of you know this like military sort of like yeah. conflict. Yeah. It is it is very much like I mean it's something that you would you would expect to see in like a Michael Bay Transformers movie. Honestly, I have referenced it before, and now that we're talking about it specifically, it's it's um, very similar to the sequence in Doctor Strange Love when they send the military to go stop General Ripper. And there's like, you know, he's walled up in the military base and all these tanks and soldiers are coming outside and sort of laying siege on the thing. It's like, so so this, you know, all the emotional buildup, all the psychological stuff that we, you know, especially got in the, in the two last two episodes of the show are sort of replaced with like the biggest, most thorough display of like action and like military hardware. And like, you know, it's like almost like yes. Ko- Kojima level stuff of like these like oh, silent, sure. like, you know, a uh, black clad tactical like you know, guys like coming in and like slitting throats and taking headshots and double taps. I mean, and yeah, like, it's, it's like really, really, you know, it's an action movie. It's like a militaristic, you know, 
war kind of thing situation and that's that gives them the ability to do so much like cutting like you're talking about like you're going outside to like these shots of like the fucking uh flight of the valkyrie scene from apocalypse now like the the mounted guns on the side of the helicopters raining down onto the things to cutting inside to them on the computers like trying to keep like the firewall up and all this i mean it's great in that sense like it is like a good analog to dr strange love because Doctor Strange Love functions by like uh, cutting between different narratives while all this shit is happening, and so what we see in the same situation mm-hmm. is we see this attack on Nerve um, from all the other Nerve agencies, right? It's say like kind of Zeal kind of. Well, put this it is forward, the JSSDF, but... so it's the Japanese Strategic Self Defense Force. Um, and what, what we start with the other Nerve agencies, their Magi try and hack That's in, right. and then when that doesn't work, Zayla's like, yeah. "All right, well, fuck it." Let's uh, let's go in there physically, and and because they control basically the UN, they're able to mobilize the Japanese military and be like, look, this is a threat, and and I think it's it's sort of implied that they're kind of telling them, oh my god, they're going to start third impact. You better go in there and stop them. So and the whole yeah, and, that, and that is the exact same scenario as in Doctor Strange Love. Like yeah. Gindo is General Ripper, who the you know, the plot of that is that he's taking control of the nuclear codes and has decided on his own volition to launch nuclear because weapons. Nerve at this point, mm-hmm. Gendo has both Lilith and Adam. Yeah. And Zaley knows it. And so they're like, fuck this guy. Like, we cannot let him thwart our plans. Yeah, yeah they're, tell- they're telling the UN, basically, the guy with the, the nuclear time. codes just yeah. launched the missiles. We totally. got to get in there. It's the same concept. It yeah. is. And the, it mirrors it you know, beautifully. what I find, I found it particularly this time. Like, I always used to watch those scenes and just be kind of marveling at, at just the kineticism of it and the energy of it and just the chaos of it all. But, like, seeing this, like, siege take place, I don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, we've never seen human-on-human, like, violence outside, like, Shinji getting punched in a... Yeah, no. In, in the, you know, on the asphalt. The, the amount of human blood that we see. It's and, uh, brutal. I don't think yeah. we've ever seen that much, like, blood. We've seen, like, angel blood and Ava blood, but, you know, from the moment that the, the guy sneaks in and stabs that poor red beret in the back with a knife, and, like, the blood drips down, and then... Like this is this kind of indicative of the movie, and like I think opening with Shinji masturbating over Asuka's comatose corpse, and then the ner the nerf symbol of you know God's in His heaven, all's right with the world. They're very familiar. It's, you know, it's, it's like the Ghostbusters symbol. You know, it's like it's this thing that we've come to know that you, you put it on your T-shirts and stuff, and here it is, and it's being covered in blood. Like blood is dripping down the face of it, and like here's the movie is beginning. You know, it's like so well, just, so and, brutal. And that it, all of all the, the the violence carried out by the humans is is really cold and it's really detached of emotion. Mm-hmm. And it's like the the you know the struggle that Shinji has with with you know his requ- the requirement of his violence, you know that 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 vi- that his acts of violence are saving you know, all of humanity is constantly brought up and he still has a hard time doing it, especially when there's a person involved, you know, like if, if somebody mm-hmm. could get hurt, it's, you know, like, or somebody, when he finds out that someone got hurt because of something as a byproduct of his violence, you know, to save people, he still tears himself up. And these fucking soldiers are just going in silently, take, like just taking people out. Just like, like, you know, they say, sorry, kid, nothing, it's nothing personal. It's like the closest thing you get to humanity from any of these people. Right. And like, even that it's like, you know, that's a, that's a trained soldier. That's in mean, Japanese strategic self-defense force. Doesn't, they don't typically are uh, involved in the, you know, armed combat scenarios. <laughs> right. So it's like, these are, these are guys that have been trained to do this that presumably don't have to do it very often. And they are totally okay with shooting. I mean, a, in, I mean it, it may be different in a post second impact sure, world. Sure. I mean, they're, they're obviously more heavily militarized than the Japanese military would be, but, you know, if they can't the, have a standing military. Yeah. Before the almost hit on, Shinji, like you hear it over like the the walkie, 
um, where it's just like weapons free on like mm-hmm. all non hostiles, you know. Yeah. Um, they're going in there to kill the kids. Their their yeah. job is to take out the Ava pilots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this uh, is the this is the like it's the the red wedding or whatever. Like this is like just the, the yeah. like coordinated. And it's a distraction because it's like well we can't. I mean they put the bakelite around Unit One so they do secure it and they're trying to get Unit Two and they're bombing the lake when they figure out that it's there. But they know they can't operate them without the pilots. So kill the pilots, kill the kids. Let's jump back real yes for a bit um, before the the coup before the attack um mm-hmm. uh even before the hack um you know we see masato kind of like isolated alone it's a very important scene yes right yeah uh kaji's gone masato has been depressed you know is like at a loss as to what to do kaoru's dead shinji is totally you know apathetic um yeah, and she's sitting on. in her car at like like probably the last sunset of the entire mm-hmm. show um, before the day where all this shit goes down. Um, and what does she? I mean, because she says some stuff there. She's like questioning everything for her. She's wondering what the fuck is going on with Nerve. Yeah, actual... I mean, she's figured out some stuff, right? Or is like, this before she goes and sneaks in and hacks in the computers? In. Yeah. Okay. Um, Which is interesting because like I never froze the frame on what she sees on the computer where she like kind of puts it all together like oh that's yeah. what second apparently it's was. just stuff about like Gynox and some of their previous um, works like it's not it's <laughs> really there's no real information there. oh it's really just, it's like all a right. frame of like you know yeah other Gynox shows Easter or something egg, yeah, yeah. Um, I could pull up the scene where Misada's in the car because it I just feel like there's like that scene and then there's the scene where she's talking to Shinji in the car the human instrument oh gosh. She really digs in. But it's like those are our big um, info, like exposition scenes where they're trying to clean up what whatever they can of what's left of, you know, clarifying the mythology. Um, and it's great. The it's Human great Instrumentality thing. Project meant to artificially involve humanity. We're using the Netflix translation. A flawed colony organism that's hidden in past into a perfect single life form. Talk about paradise on Earth. The council intends to use an Ava to enact it, not Adam or Nerve. Just like Kaji predicted. Okay. Yeah, so she doesn't say a lot there, but I, I know what you mean, like her posture and everything, and then like, she sits up and looks at her, you know, you see her eyes in the rearview mirror. It's just, it's nice to remind myself that this is a character that, that is like, you know, not even on the cusp of totally understanding what the fuck she's doing. <laughs> And for this mm-hmm. organization, you know, she's carrying out duties and details, but there is so much more afoot, you know, and it's tied to her personal history with her father, mm-hmm. uh, working for this organization on the Katsuragi Expedition, mm-hmm. Project mm-hmm. Adam, right? Y- yes. Right. So. Um, so this poor woman is just kind of, you know, by willpower alone, trying to actually understand um, what's at foot, you know? But it's almost like... You can understand all you want. You're not gonna be able to stop it. That's the thing. Yeah, you know, yeah that's totally. the frust- That's the frustrating thing about you know, like, you know, just the, the world today. You know, like, like global warming. You know, climate change stuff. Like, yeah, we are killing the world at large. This is happening. You know, your grandkids, grandkids are. There is not gonna be a sustainable planet left for them. And there's nothing we can do about it, you know, or just even like, you know, political machinations and yeah. stuff. You just look at it's like, okay, how, how is this allowed to happen? Yeah. Well, I don't know what it is. And you can't do anything. 
it's funny because like when she eventually like soon thereafter does like step into nerve into the magi system and like hack it or whatever the fuck she's doing on this computer and she's like oh that's what's been going on with second impact that's what the deal what are you gonna do blow the whistle like who who are you gonna tell like immediately thereafter like the magi system gets hacked yeah and like the uh, attack is under you gotta bust Ritsuko out of the clink. I I, I don't I don't want to I don't want to dis- distract, but just because Kevin, this is a, a fun personal connection I just made. Um, uh, I ma- mentioned it uh, two episodes ago that elements of this show are starting to remind me of elements of Mr. Robot, yeah. and that is why your your favorite character in Mr. Robot is uh, what's her name Meryl Streep's daughter. It's who, yes. who come on is now. Misato. Yeah. Like, much. like d- down to like, like the sort of like, she's, esca- you know, like escaping her problems, like having this like messy internal life, but presenting this professional thing. And then periodically throughout that show snaps into like ultimate action mode yeah. in the same way Misato does, yeah. this, which is so fucking satisfying. And that's, you know, we'll talk about the filmmaking and stuff in that, but like when Misato runs in and is like firing away and like jump kicks that dude and stuff is incredible. But it just, it just, it just, it just hit me when you were describing her character that like, and that is the, without spoiling any plot stuff for Mr. Robot, like that is the fundamental place that that yep. character finds yep, herself yep, in, yep. in in season three. Good yeah. point, man. Yeah. But I do think we get kind of great encapsulation, badass moments, like final form yes. things from most all the characters except maybe Shinji and, yeah. and Unit 1 in, in a really interesting way. Because obviously Masada... That is get, interesting. I've never thought about that. Like when you sort of look at this as like, this is the movie. And and I was just, you, as you were talking before about the beginning part, I'm looking at my, my old Anamerica from, let's see what this is from, oh, September 02. And there's uh, Mark Simmons as an article. And he really points out how fan service the first half of the movie is, like the ultimate sort of fan service. And, and he's quick to point out, not in the sense of like titillation and nudity, because he's like, from the opening scene, it's very clear that that is kind of off the table in yes. any sort of traditional way. Like it really, like literally there's going to be a mirror held up to the audience uh, when there's a shot, a live action shot of a movie theater later on in the movie. And it is a live action shot of the movie theater that was showing death and rebirth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is an mm-hmm. Evangelion audience <laughs> from the last Evangelion movie that is projected back to them on screen for this Evangelion movie. Um, so, but the whole like, yeah, oh, fap, 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 like look at the anime girl. Uh, Shinji's doing that and you're like meant to be like oh god well and it is it's worth pointing out in like a non-creepy way that like the actual I mean we talk about the animation quality being better and and stuff in this because they had the time and the money and whatever but like the actual nudity of Asuka in that scene is the most sort of like carefully drawn like most like articulated it's not that anime thing where they just have sort of like smooth nippleless breasts and stuff like it looks it looks quite like actual like a person and so it's like even like yeah to to take the fan service like the titillation of fan service and to show back like the most vivid uh depiction of a of a naked female body in this and then only to sort of make you feel shame about that it's yeah. like it's 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 i think it is to a make statement. you feel shame yeah that's it's, really it's interesting. really i think right at the top it's telling you okay so that's what you're used to getting this is what that's like in this movie and now we're moving on and right. like we're gonna really so, so yeah so that's off the table but then in terms of the like you were saying the Hideo Kojima sort of the the military hardware and stuff like then it gets real fan servicey with mecha action the attention to detail and and movement that Gynox is sort of known for and then really badass like okay Misato's gonna run around with a gun and like John Wick a couple of dudes mm-hmm. uh, you know and then even you know say back the line like nothing personal before she <laughs> blows oh, the dude's it's, yeah. it's fucking rad I mean you know then Ritsuko is like oh no we're being hacked by all the Magi from all the other nerve headquarters around the world 
get Ritsuko in here and she fucking takes them all out mm-hmm, and out hacks mm-hmm. all of them. So, you know, as cool as that can be, you know, she does that. And she gets a, a, a cool payoff uh, when she confronts Gendo, too. A sad and tragic payoff in keeping with her character, but she gets that. Asuka, of course, and Ava Unit 2 get maybe the best animated action sequence of all time yes. in the middle section of the movie. Um, I'm going to go for I think it's I think it's the best that I've seen, and you've seen more than me, the best, not only animated action sequence, best mech action sequence, but I'll extend that to, like, cut the kaiju genre, like, just the, the, the giant things fighting each other. Yeah. It, whether in any medium at all. and in, in, in That I've seen, yes. One of, if not, I mean, it's hard to say right at this moment, but, like, I mean, one of the best fight scenes. Like, now, you, and you're a connoisseur of martial arts movies, so I'm not going <laughs> to, yes. like, put that on you to say to agree with me or anything, but in terms of, like... Every single beat of that action scene is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's not a, there's not a consistent like spatial awareness in the sense of like a great martial arts scene. So I mean, it just operates mm-hmm. differently. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's I it's unbelievable, and that is you're right. That is fan service, and it is interesting that it's Asuka that gets to do it. It's not. Shinji and Unit One. I mean, Unit One doesn't of... do a goddamn thing nope. other than like get mutated into a bunch of weird forms and like scream and stuff. Like it doesn't. You'd think that you would get to the movies like, all right, here's the movie. Like Shinji and Unit One and like fighting. Unit One is largely, you know, just kind of hovering there, and Shinji is literally being dragged around by Masato and and ordered to take agency of some sort. Like fucking do something. Well and is and is and is and is physically denied the ability to join that fight scene. Like yeah. he that is like the crux of the thing is it's getting him to the point of where he would be able to or have the will to get out there and help his friend or his you know, the woman he's in love with basically. And it, from the brutal death that she has and he he can't you know one's locked up he can't do anything and yeah. he just sits there you know defeated <laughs> and while this fight can you happening. imagine the studio notes oh my god but what, what's it i mean it's shinji's story like why isn't shinji doing anything like, because the bake light was yeah. issued and yeah it's just like <laughs> prevented the unit one to yeah, like if, if like tony stark launch. couldn't get it like if there was just no iron man in any of the avengers right movies, it's just like it's just like yeah well but the thing is you don't notice it like it's because it's not a weakness because it's not something you're you know in hindsight you're sort of feel like yeah in a big american movie yeah why isn't unit one in the movie getting to do all the cool shit but when you watch the movie, you don't walk away like, Moon, you know, one was barely in it. Like, you don't have that response. It's not until you sit and think about it. It's like, oh, that is kind of a strange, bold choice. You know, it's really interesting as well that, like, the the undoing after all these episodes, after all these, like, angel attacks, after all, like, these near, mm-hmm. you know, these, like, uh, these, these, like, entirely near misses of, like, absolute, like, you know, mm-hmm. end of nerve, end of uh, civilization type situation. Like their undoing is like a man-made like intrusion, like, like an actual. Mm-hmm. It's, it's human. It's human. the true enemy. Yeah, it's really was man himself. It's really fucking which which is a joke that Luke and I make about horror movies all the time because um you know whichever critic first like you know when looking at like Night of the Living Dead or like the, real the thing is the movie, was yeah, but, man yeah that that becomes such a lazy critique of like you know you populate a movie with like hellish monsters but then it's like but. Actually, humanity was, but this is the best explication of it. Like it's the best. Oh well, use that's of it really annoying when it actually... when it gets to be like you know like the later seasons of The Walking Dead when it's like well there might as well not even be zombies on the show at this point because yeah like you're overdoing well, the the emphasis on that metaphor. I think but... like one of the more interesting things about it is that here's an organization and a people that have been like on you know the, the bleeding edge of of absolute annihilation at any given moment, right? Uh-huh. And then when it comes time for the showdown here 
and they are you know being like you know like intruded upon by like these like you know tactical military dudes that are like just decimating the whole place um Gendo is quick to be like, well, that's that. This like, is what he wanted. You know, like, From the moment Yui got subsumed into Unit 1 and he went on his walkabout, like, I think Gendo's sort of been, like, waiting to die, yeah. you know? And so, for him, this is like, all right, finally, my long, slow suicide is coming to fruition. He's, he's, he's like... Um... He's like Koji Yakusho's character in 13 Assassins, but he's not happy about it. Right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Futsuki might be a little bit happy about it. Sort of like all this bureaucracy, all this stuff, like finally it's going to pay off, you know? Yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting, and I don't mean to keep coming, you know, like the, the climate change thing, but I do think it's interesting that the the entire world and humanity is sort of at the whim of Zela, who are these old men that are, well, we're done with the world. Like, we don't, we feel this way. It's like, well, what about everybody else? Like, what about these 14-year-old kids? They're not done with the world. Yeah. And so that we have, you know, rich, you know, white guys who have all the oil money and stuff. And it's like, well, look, this, the way the world is right now benefits us. I'm not going to be here in 20 years. So I don't fucking care. I can end the world and just do my thing. And you're just along for the ride because I don't, I'm not concerned about what's going to happen to the next generation. And that we have with, with this evil organization here, it's like, well, uh, there's no way I'm going to get into heaven <laughs> any sort of natural way. There's no way I'm going to find peace. I'm done. I've lived my life. I want to, you know, do this. Gendo wants to be reunited with his dead wife and to hell with everybody else. And that's sort of the scary situation that well, you're in when you're just bureaucracies that are just kind of suicidal and you are in the car with them. You know, it's like, please don't drive off the road. I still, I still well, want to live. And that's, I mean, that's what, that's why this show is timeless. And that's why, you know, it, it feels as relevant now as ever. And, 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 uh, you know, this is a, you know, we talked about before I, you know, I grew up in the like uh, Protestant church and, and, and you, you really do see these attitudes now, especially more on public display with, with, with governments and stuff like that. And the people in power currently, but that this, this notion of a kind of apocalyptic, nihilism because it's it's like maybe sort it's of like God's an plan. essential f- function of humanity that we can't really imagine the world beyond us and so like when you get people with enough power it's like well yeah the world can just end with me like this obsession with the with with being a part of or a participant of or at least an observer of the ultimate end of everything so that you know there's a satisfaction knowing that you are ending with everything else and nothing goes on without you. And that it's like the idea that like, Oh, the planet's supposed to survive beyond humanity makes no sense to people who, you know, think that that's not how things work. And so who cares if the planet dies? We're all going to die. That all, like I am dying. So therefore everything must die is the essential sort of problem of mm-hmm. dealing with people in power. And that's what we're literally watching here is like, they all want to control the apocalypse literally. Right. And like, you know, the, the people in our case that are, you know, have their hand on the wheel are controlling the apocalypse. But like, not even on purpose. They're just assholes. <laughs> so like, again, it's still this is a nicer world. Like we said in the last episode, even if it is pretty insane. Um, That's kind of an interesting segue to a question that no, I don't think we really have the answer for, and maybe somebody does. And you know, feel free to write in if you have your own theories. But what is there seems to be such a big division between what Gendo wants and what what Zayla wants. And it is a little bit like, well, you guys all want everybody to merge into one thing, right? What's the difference? Like, I've, uh, yeah, I've why are they so dead those. set on not letting Gendo do it? So clearly, Gendo's plan is to, you know, the Forbidden Union of Adam and Lilith. He's got Adam in his hand. He wants to use Ray somehow as a conduit and sort of merge with 
Lilith. And I guess he sort of wants to be in Shinji's position there and sort of, you know, maybe the conversations Shinji has with Yui and uh, and Ray. Like, he, is that how he's going to see Yui again? Did he just want to make everybody one thing and that's how he's going to see Yui again? Did he want to somehow get inside Ava Unit 1 and yeah. live with her forever floating in space in that, like, arc of her soul? Uh, what exactly did he want to do that Ray rejects that, you know, because Sayla gets on board with like, once it's clear that it's happening with Shinji, they're like, all right, do it. Let's use the mass yeah, production. They don't models. Really care. There's clearly different paths to making instrumentality happen. But I, I mean, on the fundamental level, Gendo is like, you know, a narcissist or whatever. And he, and he just wants, I think Gendo wants everything he can possibly get from this experience. And I think that like, the fact that Shinji changes his mind and reverses it is evidence of why Gendo wanted him to be the one in charge. <laughs> Don't let Shinji fucking do it. Yeah, yeah, He'll no. just reverse it. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I think it's like his. he believes his will is strong enough to ensure yeah. that this is going to happen, which is also true of Sela. It, but I, I, I kind of assume that there's some sort of privileged position that he's expecting to have if he's the one with his finger on the button. Like, I think I kind of assume so. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think ultimately it seems pretty academic. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean they both they both failed in the sense that that you know the choice was given to Shinji and Shinji rejected it, and that was obviously the last thing anybody nobody wanted. wanted that. The only agreed upon thing for those you know is that yeah they want well not the only thing but the main agreed upon thing is that they both wanted instrumentality to happen. Gendo maybe had some sort of like instrumentality plus like he, he instrumentality he might, was Gendo's idea. Yeah, like after but he might have had like like my my Thanos joke about. You know, I'll snap my finger at half half of humanity plus the Avengers. Like that might have been Gendo's instrumentality. It's like instrumentality for everybody, and also me and my wife get to merge into one soul and float forever in space and not be with everybody else. Like that, I honestly, if that was revealed to be what he was actually thinking, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, kind of. I mean, the last things he says to Ray are just like, "Take me to Yui." Yeah. Um, and does she? That we we sort of were questioning that. He's the only one. He's the only one of the major characters that we see. We don't see an we LCL. We don't see. Yeah, we don't bubble. see any clear indication that he's participating in. She rejects him. Um, yeah. So he just dies and just. Yeah. That's interesting. He has. I mean, we don't see any like inter interjection stuff. We no. see him. He says congratulations at the end of the TV show, but he's not ever on the chair answering questions. He's not part of any of Shinji's scenes, really. In the, no, the last we see of him is being, you know, Bitten. thoroughly chomped by Eva Unit One, which is which is a, a, like which it, is it, such a fucked up weird kind of image because that unit is currently entombed in like a tree floating. Yeah, it's not it's not literally happening. I think, I think and it's, it's like a demon. It's like an armorless, like you know, it's got you can see it's yes. exposed like grayish flesh. Um, I, I interpret that as as. If we're going with the thread that, like, effectively she rejected him, and by rejecting him means that he's he's a no, he's not a participant in in the future of this endeavor right. uh, in any way, and so with all of humanity is merging together, it is minus Gendo, and the Gendo's soul is just sort of evaporated and put away. If we're going Maybe. with that version of it, that not only that, uh, he also gets the opposite of what everybody else gets. When when Ray appears to people, the the implication visually that we're seeing is that everybody sees Ray and then Ray turns into the person that they most want to be comforted by before they die. That like, okay, he they, does see you. Yeah. He does. But then he, but then he dies with his getting, but getting killed in that way that it's like, that is a vision of 
a sort of fuck, like an extra fuck you to his to his end that it's like you die well, this way. Kind of, you, but if, if but if Unido One has the soul of Yui in it, it's really interesting that it consumes him. You yeah, know? no, I mean it's yeah, I mean I guess I guess it's a like, re- in a way he's with her inside yeah. her. Right. The Evangelion seems, Chronicle that we've been okay, okay. referencing to and, and what kind of allowing to have some say over this stuff um, does say, blah, blah, blah. let's see. Ray unexpectedly refused to obey him at the most critical moment. When Ray merged with Lilith and revealed herself to all of mankind, Gendo was absorbed into Ava-01 and finally reunited with Yui, the love of his okay. life. There you go. Then maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a fuck you. Maybe it's just a weird way to show... It's like a weird barbed way to give him what he wants. Like yeah. I don't, I don't understand why Gendo needed Ray at all. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Because right, because right Lilith's there. body. I mean, I guess they are reuniting Lilith's soul with her body, and that's kind of what gives her the that's power to kind of come back. True. So okay. if Ray has Lilith's soul, it's like okay, then you know, and he's putting his hand in her and she's, she snaps it off and takes Adam away. But it was sort of like, okay, Ray, you and I will become one and then we'll reunite the soul with a little's body. And I'll sort of be on the throne. I'll be where Shinji is because yep, the yep, interesting yep. thing that, that I realized for the first time here is all the other Avas or Evas are clones of Adam. And Ava unit one is the sole offspring of like the sole clone of Lilith's body so that makes that's part of what makes it special and so I don't know I'll have to like sort of think about all the different math and all the different like mm-hmm. configurations of Lilith and Adam and soul and body and blah 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 but I think Gendo is trying to do it without using unit one it was we'll just use Ray mm-hmm. who is got Lilith's soul and we'll use Adam's body the embryo and my soul and we'll use Lilith's body here on the cross and mm-hmm. merge those things, and I, then I can make instrumentality happen. But when Ray says "fuck you," that gets messed up, and yeah. What's the logic involved. behind uh, crafting the other Ava from Adam? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, unless it was fighting in- fire with fire, you know, fighting the a- yep. angels with. Yep. Because they just wanted something that can make an ET field, you know. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Zayla seems to know that that it's the offspring. They call it the like the offspring of Lilith or whatever, or the progenitor of Lilith or something. They 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 seem to know that it's not Adam. Like right. Like, I mean, unless that was just that was that like that was the intention. If all this was was meant to be leading to instrumentality in 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 well, not say an official sense because obviously that's not like being broadcast on the news for everybody to know. But as far as like <laughs> the stated goal of the project from a sort of corporate level was for instrumentality. So like if the, if the idea was, okay, we make one of them that's, that's Lilith and we make the other ones that are Adam so that the Lilith one is special and can be used in this unique way or whatever. You know, yes, like, I think that's, that's, that's gotta be it. And so it's like only they know that because on the exterior for anybody looking at the thing, it's like, Oh, you could, you made a bunch of these giant robot things. And it's like, yeah, but secretly there's just shit going on that is like, you know, this isn't here to, de- to defend us against, you know, intergalactic space monster attacks. This is, here to get us to a prophesied point right. using this, these pieces on the board to sort of accomplish a thing. Um, there's something I wanted Gendo related that, that you, you said a minute ago that made me think um, 
worth pointing out and i find it interesting because like we said like we don't know you know i mean that book seems to say that he's reunited with yui it doesn't specify whether or not that means he's part of the instrumentality right. thing that happened it doesn't seem like he's in the end floating into space with her it seems like it's her alone because she talks about how it'll be a lonely existence yeah it does not seem to me that and i don't i wouldn't really like it I wouldn't like him to be in there. I don't want well, this him. Well, this is what, well, this is what I'm getting to is that I think what whatever I think we can feel pretty comfortable with the idea that he's not part of the instrumentality thing. And when we when we look at like both in the last two episodes of the show and how those are overlaid here in, in with Shinji's experience in the movie, um, it, it is interesting to me that, and I think it's a good thing for people to think about, like that Shinji's like you said, like he doesn't. Gendo doesn't like appear to him in any sort of like negotiable way. He is he is there as mm-hmm. a presence of sort of echoes of what Shinji's experienced, and that the show in the ultimate movie con- conclusion here is not that Shinji needs to come to some sort of like make amends with his father. Right. He doesn't need to confront his father and actually you know tell him he loves him or get a hug from him or something. No. Like that. It's 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 Shinji's growth here is learning to accept like things kind of as they are except that his father has rejected him yeah and i think and it's and it's interesting to me that it's like in something that's that's, you know, that's jumping all over the place in these like sort of like wildly fantastical ideas and could easily have justified a scenario wherein shinji is presented an opportunity to face to face in the flesh right. with his father they make understand one another before this or after this or whatever like they could have had him and gindo be on the beach sitting and like you know yeah. smiling at each other at the end that could have been the end of the thing <laughs> but the, the, the point is that that it's like you know, it's. I think it's a healthy thing for some people because you, you know, you end up in these situations, especially with parents, right? Where the only narrative ending is oh, reconciliation with per- parents, and for some people, it's just it's, it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, you know? I mean, your parents get older, and as they get older, they become in a way less of themselves, and 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 you are literally by the fact of your existence and their existence denied the ability to confront the actual person that if they traumatized you in your childhood, well. By the time you you know go through enough therapy to like face to face talk to your father and he's like eighty five years old and right. doesn't even remember half the shit you're talking about or God forbid you know it's like you know dies of a disease or you never get to, it's like there's so many ways that you you actually can't have the movie version of reconciliation that I think a lot of narratives narratives try to give us because it seems hopeful yeah whereas the actual more hopeful thing is to recognize that certain facts of your existence cannot be changed and in as right. much as in as much as it's yeah. not to say that people are without hope. Uh, like, like you know, those, you know, some an asshole could always turn a new leaf or whatever and become a better person. Sure, but the reality is, you can't control other people's actions, and your desire for reconciliation isn't a, a entitlement. You don't get to have that. Just you have to deal with your shit and accept certain things and actually grow as a person to where you can. You and know, that's all you can run really away. Be, that's and, all you can be accountable live. for. Yeah, you yeah, can only be accountable for yourself. And and you know, so if your dad's an asshole, well, I mean, he's maybe always going to be an asshole. But that shouldn't stop you from being able to live a fulfilled life. Right. Because that doesn't what? mean Everybody you don't get the happy ending. Like yeah, yeah. I think with a lot of things, romance and and parental, there's definitely a promise that, especially Western narrative, sort yeah. of lands on where you feel like, if, well, if I can't fulfill it, then I have failed. Yeah. And so I do think it is good to have endings that kind of offer. And not not to say this is clearly not like a happy ending. Like you don't walk away from a new Evangelion feeling like, well, I feel great. I got a spring in my step. Uh, but <laughs> it is an ending that you know feels complete, and that yeah, it does it doesn't promise you um, things that you maybe can never achieve. It's, it's so. emotionally responsible, and it, right. and we talk about and we've talked about it. It's just different. Like like yeah. like you know, it's the problem with. 
you know, screenwriting, you get so many like people with questions like, well, you know, the, all the save the cat bullshit of like, well, by page five, it needs to have this happen. And, you know, you mm-hmm. have this turn and this many things. And it becomes such a math equation. And while there is a lot of, you know, watchmaking that goes into writing and crafting storytelling, you get to this homogenized state where everything becomes the same story. Mm-hmm. And and then you get noted to death. And it's like, well, here's what worked last time. So you got to have this in there. And, and, you know, you get it becomes this big consensus thing. And I think, you know, one of the great successes of Evangelion was they sort of got away with, you know, not committing, you know, creating art by committee or by a committee of sort of uh, rogues <laughs> that have made something so it doesn't have to adhere to those to those standards. It just makes for interesting stories. There's so many different opportunities if we don't feel like in order for the ending to be satisfying, you have to have X, Y, and Z. No, I mean, I used to joke. Because life doesn't do that. Like, I used to joke, um, Kevin, when we were in film school, like, we, we were making a lot of student films, and, and I was very frustrated by the constraints of that particular medium. And I, and I in a fit of frustration uh, with, with the expectations of that one time, made up the idea for what the perfect student film is, like the perfect short film, is it's like a cute little kid with, like, bouncing a red ball, and then he's so happy with his red ball and he bounces it so high that it gets like stuck in a tree or something. And he's like frustrated and he struggles and fails to get the ball down and then comes up with some clever way to get it down, gets the ball back and walks off into the sunset, bouncing his ball, being happier than ever again. That is like the narrative, the most encapsulated like movie narrative yeah, that people a, want to see. Excellent segue. <laughs> that it's like, it's like, yeah, well maybe the, the Evangelion is like the kid getting the ball stuck in the tree and struggling with that and fighting it and crying and being frustrated and realizing that, you know, uh, sometimes things go away and you can't get them back. And uh, sometimes, you know, you you have to go on with your life, even if your favorite thing, you know, is like, and and it's healthy because we're all going to learn about that at some point if you haven't already. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, somebody loves so, going to die and you're never going to be able well, to do let, let's, about it. Well, so. let's say, I will, I will throw to you guys and maybe, maybe to Kevin first, but like, do you have any thoughts on the sandbox scene? I mean, it always reminded me of the end of Akira. Um, if only because I saw Akira before I saw even The sandbox scene? It did. Huh. Because if you recall, there's a lot of flashbacks to uh, Tetsuo when he was in the, in Akira, when mm-hmm. Tetsuo was like a child um, uh-huh. with Akira, you know, and mm-hmm. there was like them playing with... with it. Well, but they see, he sees Akira there too at the hospital, I think. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah, I think... It's been a minute. I know. Anyway, I don't want to get like too my, my down in, in Akira business, but... That's all it right. always kind of brought me back to that zone, and it's—I I mean, to this day, I find it like utterly perplexing. I, I mean, it's like—it's very—it looks like a surreal kind of like Dolly landscape with like these mirrored hills in the background, and like <laughs> these like, you know, kind of like studio light fixtures that yeah. are that are seemingly, yes. you know, implied to be enormous that are there sometimes, and other times they're not there. The but in- the stage lights really called to mind the scenes in right. the last two episodes. Which is really, it's really wise that you brought that up because I kind of never literally put that together. Um, but you're right. Um, which we've determined to be like an internal space, not mm-hmm. necessarily representative of anything real. Right. Well, because the stage can be anything. And there Shinji's at that point at the yeah. end of the show is like, well, you can dress your set. You can make this into whatever you'd like. Okay, so that's that's starting to become, that's starting to make a lot of sense then. Uh-huh. So if like that's like the representation of that, because at this point Shinji is already LCL, right? He's already in uh, was deep in conversation with Lilith, mm-hmm. Ray, Kaoru, whatever, and you even um, about all these about all this stuff. And so then we see him as a kid playing in the sandbox, and he builds a pyramid, right? 
He yes, builds, he builds a pyramid. Yeah. And what is in the shape of a pyramid in the show that we know? The, I mean, I don't know what they would you call it, but they had like the headquarters. Nerve HQ. Yeah. 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 Nerve HQ. He builds Nerve HQ. And then he stomps on it. And he stomps on it, which he kind of threatens to do at one point of the show, right? Mm-hmm. When he's uh, been forced to crush Toji. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I could, you know, tear this place apart with the battery I have left. Not before this, though. He's hanging out with, like, two other kids that are, like, dolls. They look like dolls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lifeless, immobile, until they move. Because there's, like, a woman in the distance that looked a lot, this time, to me, like Misato. Yes, it is Misato. It is in the script specified as Misato. Fascinating. You should, you should go to the mother is Misato. I mean, I mean, I think that some of I mean, at least him stomping on the pyramid... Kind of to me is like is is a bit like rem, is reminiscent of like the one of the reads I was giving about about the end of the thing and about Shinji like not hiding his aggression it's, or not hiding his emotion and like sort of seeing an image of him as a kid like alone being destructive and being frustrated about something but then it's like as he gets older he just buries all those things because he doesn't want people to see them and that part of the process of him you know in this introspective state of like deciding if he wants to live is like confronting you know his weaknesses and his emotions in ways that he doesn't normally do and stuff like that like i don't know i mean i might be reaching here but that... well here yeah i, I mean <laughs> you ben you and i have uh, have fun uh, passing back and forth memes videos of this dog mr bubs <laughs> I don't know, if, I don't know yeah. if you know mr bubs but he's like this weird chihuahua mix who i don't know what happened in his past but he he just growls kind of incessantly, and uh, and so the, so the meme is that there's you know his one of his owner or the boyfriend of his owner, will uh, or his his, his person mm-hmm. uh, is like we'll be playing and talking to him and you know oh hello Mr. Bubs like how are you and the dog just it's like, and, like makes these scary ass faces just rejecting his, any form of affection with absolute like, and it's bug eyed yeah but like you sent me this latest one and somebody's like reaching to pet and it, and it's like it's compulsory like you you notice with with this dog it can't help itself and it doesn't want to and almost feels guilty immediately there's my dog growling yeah almost feels guilty immediately for doing it and it's like I, I have to growl because i've been conditioned to do this from whatever my life was but i don't want to and it, i don't think he even is gonna like hurt anybody no it's just like his reaction, and it it's so sad. Like you can sort of see on the dog's face that he like feels guilty even doing it, but he has to do it. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, we we were talking about that as just the hedgehog's dilemma. And I think to me, this sandcastle is really very much the hedgehog's dilemma of you know you create something, and then you've got something, and then you will feel oh it's going to leave me. You you destroy it. You mm-hmm. you destroy a relationship. You, know, you you blow up a relationship because you're scared it's going to end, so I better end it on my own terms. Uh-huh. And then you're left in the wreckage. It's like, oh, let me rebuild it again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I think it's telling he's there building it with those dolls, with the other people uh-huh. who are not exactly people to him. This mother figure comes and calls them away. He's like, fine, I'll fucking finish it myself. Uh-huh. There, I finished it. And then in anger at them for leaving him, he tears it down and then is left to rebuild it again. And that's literally what he does in the movie is he takes all of humanity instead of Mm -hmm. just the pyramid. He's got the whole world in his hands and out of spite, he chooses to destroy it. And then he's left sort of weeping on the shore deciding, well, I want to try and rebuild this now. I want to get back to here. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's indicative of him throughout the whole show, you know, of breaking the world and trying to Mm -hmm. repair it. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is also interesting. I want to talk about the mother, the Misato mother thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember which. Well, she. I mean, she plays the mother here in this scene, and then there's later on a scene where she says, "I I failed to be yep. Shinji's mother. I couldn't be Shinji's mother." And that got me thinking about her self-destructive streak and the idea of her wanting to sully herself and sort of wanting to sully the best parts of herself. And I think there's something really tragic and self-sabotaging about her. And and we can talk about how this plays out a little differently here than it does in the show. But in the moment where she kind of offers herself sexually to him in the show, mm-hmm. it is she's very much sullying the best part of herself, which is she could have really successfully been a mother figure. And she pulls away from that and decides to kind of pervert that. Like, I, I got this thing where I could be this caretaker and I could be this mother. I'm going to do the worst possible thing and really burn out that avenue for myself mm-hmm. and not allow myself to be the best version of myself because I'm tired of being a good girl and I want to fuck it up. So there's almost this compulsory response on her part to ruin it, to pervert the purity of what could have been this maternal relationship. Yeah. Now, I don't know how that, you know... Uh, you know, she did all that tarnish me with your kindness stuff that she says. Now, I don't know how that plays here where she has this kind of more motivational promise of adult kisses and more if Shinji can go find himself and come back. I don't know if she was, she knows she's gut shot there and probably going to die. So I, I think, don't know. Yeah, I always kind of took it as like uh, just a bit of manipulation. Just oh, totally. Like, a false motivation, like yeah. a promise. Of, yeah. I, I mean, I, because I. He I, doesn't I, seem receptive, though. Like he's like backed against the wall and is just like, <laughs> like well, I don't no. know what why she thinks that the promise of that is going to motivate him because the, the last experience with that led to him just being like, go away! I think, I mean, I think that, that, but I think that everything you say, I think everything you're saying is true, but I, I, yeah, I, I do, I, I, I saw the other scene, you know, the, the, do you want me to comfort you scene as, as also just like, I think I said this, like maybe when we talked about it on the other episode, but that like Masato is aware that she has a certain number of, 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 you know, tools at her disposal. And that was one she tried because she expended the other ones and didn't know what to do. And so it's like, well, she's kind of just in the same situation, like, She's like, well, what what can I say to this kid to get him to go through that fucking door? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if this will help me, if this will help make that happen at all, yeah. you know, like, uh, you know, I mean, I'm actually surprised she doesn't. I mean, mm-hmm. I think in reality, it, it seems like she would even kind of go further with what she was saying and like be less coy if that was what she was trying to do. But I think either way, I mean, it's the thank God she doesn't say anything, you know, <laughs> like anything more than that. But I think like. Yeah, I think she's just at her wit's end and is like, I'll try anything here. I mean, whatever. It does, I mean, she it does work. The the I mean, but I think more what works is her giving him the cross and sort of the, replaying the scene of her father in exactly. Second Impact, giving her the cross. Wow, yeah. And and sending her on her way into the capsule. Doors close. She gives him the cross during Third Impact, pushes him through the doors. Well, that's the, the last closed. tool at her disposal. And, and so, mom sending son away, and and dad sending uh, daughter away. See, she successfully became the mother there, and that that was that was the one that clicked it. She, she, so she, she like she tried the 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 sex motivation, <laughs> and you know she tried scolding him, she tried yelling at him, she tried dragging him, she tried motivating him with you know his his, his sexuality, and ultimately she motivated him by you know activating him. 
in a sentimental way as a sort of surrogate son in this moment. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that is what motivates him because she, I mean, the last thing she does is the kiss. Though. Yes. You're right. You're, you're kind of, conf- you're, you're kind of getting, she, 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 she's successfully a mother and then she immediately sullies no, it, she, you know, tarnishes it. Okay. Well, yeah. So the, or, so the, shoves him through the sorry, door. So the order is wrong, but <laughs> one for you and one for me. Let me yeah, get the weird. emotions there. See you later. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really interesting because like, what is she asking Kaji as she's lying there dead or dying, you know? And she says, Kaji, did I do the right thing? Yes. What is that question about? Does she mean trying to motivate Shinji yeah, that way? Yeah, I wonder. Right? Or even, I guess, Any perhaps... Probably. I think, it's, I think it's all of it. Oh, just, you know, shoving Shinji through that elevator. It's like, you know, would, would it have been better not to just let him sit under those stairs or yeah. whatever? Like, you know, because this is... Everybody's constantly kind of, again, using people, especially the kids... Forcing them to like, did I do the right thing? I just shoved this kid out there to face the apocalypse alone. <laughs> like, was that okay? I, yeah. I, but I also take, I also take that, um, her saying that to be sort of representative of, of her attitude about the whole thing. In that sure. sort of, that that this this futile right. struggle that she's been in since she started to find out that that the job she was hired to do that she's very good at is not actually like she, she realized well, she was her entire position was a decoy. For what was actually happening, and, and what she's been, been doing lately is pick. She picked up Kaji's uh, baton. Like yes. she, she took on his mantle of like, okay, well, for Kaji, I'm gonna use this capsule that he gave me. I'm gonna find out the secrets and get to the truth. And she was doing that for him. And that so was, and that was, his, like, but that was his legacy of of trying to do the right thing right at the end of his life that we talked about so much. Where yeah. it's like he he knew that he he could die satisfied in knowing that he'd finally like chosen a side. And so in doing so, like, did pass on the legacy of this sort of, like, doing the right thing to her. And that's why she's still questioning it, because she's also trying to do the right thing. And there everyone's just, you know, flailing and struggling. And, you know, sometimes she tries to make a pass at a 13-year-old boy. And it's like, you know, at 14. Well, you know, 14. <laughs> it's, it's, you know. God, uh, the anime. God, you just, you pulled up the scene where she's standing in, the, like, the computer terminal thing with all those, like, red lights around her. All of the screen shit in this movie looks so great. All of the displays. It's, I love this shit so much. Yeah. That just jumped hard into that. What's the uh, yeah. what's the the uh, preventative like hack Ritsuku kind of puts into like the you know the the, the magi attack, which it's like uh, something six 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 B, and you just hear this like sound oh, yeah, kind yeah. of emanating mm. and reverberating throughout the whole station. It's like B B B. It's yeah, really good. really incredible. So I paused on the screen where. Misato is inside the computer terminals and like reaching and hacking and and I had read that it was a lot of stuff about yeah like if you look at number eight here um, or number seven Gehern would go on to produce the original video anime series Tapo Narai Aim for the Top which is uh, Gunbuster volumes one through three the NHK anime TV series Uh, and it's uh, so it's uh, they talk about Otaku no Video and Second Impact which detail the history of Otaku while spoofing Gehern's own history uh, this is probably the funniest thing about this whole movie so they just they find replaced they found a bunch of stuff about Gynox and swapped out the the words with Second Impact (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Building on this experience, the core members of the con staff opened Second Impact, an Adam specialty shop in Second Impact. Uh-huh. It was the first store in Japan whose stock and trade was science fiction related merchandise. Wow. So this is the history of Gynox. <laughs> yeah. They're talking about uh, Honiomise. Honiomise no Second Impact, directed by Yamaga Hiroyuki, who was 24 at the time. Uh, yes. 
It was produced as the first animated feature film by Toymaker Bandai Corp. So yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> this is yeah. This is the joke. Great. The, Fantastic. They, they snuck in one joke. Um, and then it all gets deleted. Um, Misato drinking UCC mm-hmm. coffee in this one. Uh, so yeah. So that's a lot of the big stuff. Um, other notes that I have. There's the scene in the. I think it's on the train car. It's the most sort of incel-y Shinji gets, and he's sort of angry at the women for for you know he's saying be nice to me and they they all kind of say we are nice to you misato and and ray and asuka mm-hmm. and he says like you're lying you you hide it with your smiles to, like make it easy but you're you're all just trying to keep things vague like you're trying to be ambiguous mm-hmm. and he, i hate it when things are vague i hate it when things are ambiguous which is kind of interesting because it's like <laughs> it seems like fans responding to this show <laughs> i hate it when things are so fucking amb- ambiguous or vague um but it is also kind of foreshadowing Shinji's decision with the world because he ends up in a world without borders. You can't tell where one person stops, one person starts. That's the vaguest of worlds. And it is like, well, I hate it when things are vague. I would rather, even if even if the truth is, or the de- definition is painful, I'd rather have some clear delineation and definition. I don't want things to stay ambiguous and vague. I want something tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um. Yeah, I, 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 we're, we're looking at the scene where they call Ritsuko up, and she stands up in a way that looks a lot like Ava Unit One. It doesn't like it's just a funny little like visual echo. The way she like lifts with her shoulders down and her arms mm-hmm. hanging, I just mm-hmm. thought that was fun. So <laughs> much great movement here. Now Misato here takes. Was she wearing a ponytail earlier? We see her dramatically take a ponytail down. I, but I, I she always, that. she always has a. That's funny down. that I didn't notice that, you know, specifically. Ponytail moe. <laughs> um, a lot of good stuff with the te- the technicians here. We haven't talked about them very much. Yeah, that's yeah. I was gonna we got sidetracked, but you know, it's talking about Misato gets her awesome moment. Riko gets her awesome moment. Asuka gets her awesome moment. Gendo is super Gendo. Fuyutsuki kind of gets his nice little payoff with with seeing you. Some good Fuyutsuki shots. Like, yeah, some, some really good close ups on him. Um, but we get maybe more of the three operators than we ever have. Yeah, and interacting with one another kind of away from everyone else and seeing really their nice. different attitudes like we've seen these characters like deal with sort of like workplace stress and like <laughs> some light interpersonal you know who has a crush on who you know it's, it's very fun and we talk about these characters more than they really even get screen time in most of the show but like seeing how like you know makoda's like recognizes a sense of duty and he's like you know taking it seriously and like aoba's kind of just like yep gotta you know like he's a bit more like Aoba really uh, locks into into it here, and we kind of get more from him than he, because he's the one we haven't really seen too mm-hmm. much, and he like sort of even speculates, okay, this is why they cut our internal defense budget because they were always planning, yeah, to come in and get us. And and Maya's the one who's completely unable to, you know, perform this function of her well, job. Ritsuko's not there, so yeah. she's already like I think it's like the first thing she says is like, so Senpai's not here. We're fucked. Yeah, and um, she and she gets and she ends up getting my my personal favorite um, uh, uh, death moment of you know the, the her vision of of Rizko coming to type with her. I need you. The hands coming over is so beautiful. I got chills. I got teared up a little bit. It's so because it's like Maya's the character we've talked about. She's like just such a pure hearted character, and it's like seeing like we don't see every single person's like you know personalized um, vision that they get before they die. But that that character in specific gets a fairly detailed one, and that it's very obviously 
showing that it is emotional and positive, like that it's that it's it's, yes. it's 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 the best that she could hope for in that moment, and it's still you know obviously dying is terrifying, but like you know it's well yeah I like that moment a lot. yeah let's talk about that. So everybody you know these rays appear, the spirit of Lilith kind of appears before everybody, and yeah, it takes the form of you know whoever they they love most or would want to see and be embraced by, like the, you know basically like death takes the form of you know death's cold embrace is disguised as uh, whoever you'd like. So Makoto obviously sees Misato, gets that, that kiss that he desperately wanted. She's so so, so eager to give away to a 14-year-old kid <laughs> instead of him. Yeah. Um, uh, Maya sees Ritsuko, her beloved senpai. Um, and then Futsuki. It's confirmed. Our, all our suspicions confirmed because he sees Yui. Yep. Yeah, right, exactly. Comes down and, and kisses him. I love how she's like kind of floating above him. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, yeah it's such a fantastic image we don't see who keel sees but he seems very happy with whatever yes. the situation yeah. is and is left leaves behind a robot like a bunch of mechanical never noticed that yeah, that's bizarre i don't know what the hell to make of that yeah. it's more machine than man well this idea i mean it's the whole fan theory that he's lived for like many 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 years that could be i do I, it, it starts to make me buy that more i mean obviously the whole the like the biblical part that's bullshit right. but like I, the idea and that we do he, see younger pictures of him but yeah I mean, who does Aoba see? Nothing but... Like, we don't see Aoba just sees a bunch of rays. And terrified. And is terrified of it. Hides under a desk. And the, we, the, 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 the book says that my Chronicles talks about how, like, well, this is, like, indicative of his, I don't know, like, his pragmatic personality or whatever. Like, that, that he didn't love anybody. <laughs> he yeah. was just, like, a realist and was not going to accept this on yeah. any terms, under any circumstances. And he probably always just thought that Ray was pretty creepy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just tons and tons of rays coming to like coming to get him, coming like, to get him. Really, yeah. like crouching down and like getting in there. I do love how creepy they let Ray be throughout this. I mean, the, yeah. the imagery of you know again like taking the you know the, some people's best girl, you know, taking this image of the show, and we have her. First of all, what I had never noticed where she was before, but floating naked in the tank of the dissolved other rays so she is not in her little usual tank where, where she was before she's in the graveyard in the tank where where ritsuko destroyed all the other clones of her so just like in a dirty fish tank with all the pieces of the dead bodies that look like her yeah uh we see her arm just like rot off as her at field starts to uh Give let away. go yeah um then we see her turn into the fucking thing and you know you have the where she's rising up with these like black empty eye sockets, yes, and just like yes, <sighs> groaning as she like stands up and <gasps> her eyes appear and terrifies Shinji. We see her face on the mass production models, like growing yeah. like out of these like tendril things, and then later they're all inserting like forcing the spears deeper into their cores and like wincing in pain as it's, it's happening like a, like a, a seppuku thing or whatever like that yes yeah, yeah it's like they're yeah. committing seppuku it's interesting that uh, when ray kind of forms with lilith and turns into lilith ultimate form and like rises up through nerve hq and into the stratosphere um you're right her eyes the character's eyes are like wells like in, yes, in the empty head deep well it's really the very unsettling and like shinji sees this because she like looks up and he freaks <laughs> and he like, gasps. And then her eyes, like, she blinks and they like come yes. back to like normal bright eyes. As with if a to, gasp. Like, 
as if to like kind of comfort him. Yeah, yeah. But I think he keeps screaming. She's trying. He keeps he keeps screaming until Kaoru shows up on the scene, and then he's like, "Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, this is where you were. This giant white oh, hey, naked Kaoru." And then you can see the ray like vestigially, like sort of leaning dead uh, off his so, back. So so. And then it switches later. It switches back to her, and he takes the the back position. So Adam and Lilith is this one, this you know Janus mask or the yin yang, you know, kind of like yeah, two, yeah, yeah. Two, Two two things, uh, at, you know, they're the Adam and Eve type characters, you know, the progenitors of life yes. on this planet. That's um, true. Oh, and we also. But then, but you also, yeah, just to finish sort mm-hmm. of the litany of weird, you know, then you see Ray grow these giant wings, and you see her her neck split open and blood shoot out to stain the moon forevermore, mm-hmm. and then her body like rot, and then the giant head split in two and like slide. So like just taking the cutesy character who's on all of our t-shirts right now. Mm-hmm made into these toys and like just what they do with that image. And then, you know, just a bunch of them coming to appear over all the dead bodies and, and an army of them coming to claim a shrieking Aoba until he explodes into liquid. <laughs> like they really went for it in terms of, you know, imagine some other, you know, imagine them doing that with like, you know, Yoda or, yeah, yeah, or no, some the, other yeah, yeah. character. Because it's like you talk about like the Agent Smiths and the Matrix and stuff. But it's like but Agent Smith was a bad guy the whole time, and he's a fun character. But it's like so to multiply the bad guy into you know being a, a bigger, scarier presence, presumably like that kind of makes sense. But yeah, to take a character that wasn't depicted as that for most of the thing and successfully you know like you know turn her into like you know a J horror, you yeah, know, like just, just to like let her be creepy. Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about? Um, the Ava mass production. Yeah, unit. I think we're please. Okay, well, so this it, is the it, first instance mm-hmm. of us seeing that we've heard about. We've, it yeah, before. they've referenced yes. that this was being but, done. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, this attack on Nerve HQ, it's on foot. It's by N two mine. It's like a, you know every piece of machinery and weaponry possible. Use it. And then they call in. Oscar uh, comes up to kind of because Oscar like, kicks their ass. Oscar kicks their ass. She like rises forward. She recognizes that her mom uh, has been with her the oh, whole time in soul scene. form. Um, her scene. mom is the AT field for her, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. That's what she at least is choosing to believe. Like yeah, what the, she's choosing the to believe. Meaning the AT field is like you were there protecting me. Exactly. It's giving her the willpower to be like impenetrable, yep. and she's mm-hmm. like dominating. Um, and so their next call of action was send in Ava mass production unit, right? Mm-hmm. Which is how many Ava is it? Is it's it five that? through 13. Okay, have, so this is interesting. And so like, wait, there, are, there are, how many is that? Eight, seven? Five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, nine. Nine, interesting. Seven would have made more sense biblically. Hmm. But then again, they they form the points on the was it the, that, that the Sephirothic yeah. tree, yeah. So well, they they, they activate their resonate their S two engines and they turn to those little circles and they okay. each that's a Sephiroth on the. Tree so I would like to know what happened to one through five, uh, one through four, um, unless those were just units. That... Well, no, one through four are our Avas. Zero. Oh, I guess you're one, right. Of course, two, three, God. And, four, and four disappeared that... in America. Yeah, that's the one that blew up, and then five. so they're, they're all part of the Ava series. They're they just started mass producing them from five onward. Yeah, and five was uh, Toji's one. Three was Toji's. To- to- yes, sir, yeah. So okay, we know zero, makes... one, and two. Those are our main ones. Three was Toji's. Yes, Four sir, disappeared yeah. in America. 
5 through 13 yeah. are the mass production models. Got it. Okay, so they are injected with Kaoru's dummy plug. Yes. Yes. Okay. This which is, is which is another another because piece they're coming of, from Zele. Yeah, and which is Zele. another piece of evidence that I think supports the concept that Kaoru and Ray were simultaneously yes. made it in would separate only make places. Sense. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Well, been, and he's been raised in the same way as her, and that they've been doing a lot of the well, same shit. Well, not simultaneous. Well, no. This kind of just goes back quickly to the question of like who was found first, Lilith or Adam. Um, Seems like they found Adam first because there's definitely a strong, uh, you know, we have the black egg is revealed, the black egg of Lilith. Kind of makes sense that Lilith was just in the egg from the moment they found it in Hakone. And that I think I had mistakenly said that our moon that's orbiting Earth, and maybe there's still something to it, but it it seems like that's too big. Um, Mm. But the, the, the white moon is Antarctica. So the geofront in Antarctica, that's the white moon. That's Adam. That's where he's from. That's where they found him, did those experiments on him, led to second impact. Then they found, you know, I don't know if it was before or during or after, but then they also found the black moon in Hakone. That's Lilith. And that's where she's... Got it. So, yeah. So they basically created uh, spawns, clones yep. of... Well, two things. They took the... Well, since Ray is a human, a physical clone of Yui, mm-hmm. but she's... In, Bodied with the soul of mm-hmm. Lilith. Lilith. And Adam is just whoever Kauru is, but embodied I mean, with the soul of Adam. Right. Or Kauru is the, is Adam. With the, yeah, okay. So, okay. That's interesting. Yes. Um, so, Zenerv and Zila each have their own ray. And they each have their own Evangelions. It's just the Z- Zila ones got the, they got the mass production ones. And they're just, it's just like, I don't know what the, I don't know exactly how to sort of, Right. I mean, we, we, we've seen that, like, when the dummy plug, although we that's one of the main <laughs> inconsistencies in the show that we've never been able to rectify, like, how is it that Gendo's able to switch on the dummy plug while Shinji's still inside? Whatever, we skip that. But we've seen that in that instance, when they switched to the dummy plug, that was when, uh, like, a particularly brutal, violent attack. Right. That, because it's, like, something to do with the fact that these things have some sort of consciousness or will, but they don't have souls or something. I don't know, whatever. And so when these ones are inserted with the Kauru dummy plug, they are the most vicious. Well, just animals. Yeah, they're know. just, but it's, but it's particularly disturbing and gross and yeah. horrific. I and mean, they're fucking scary. Don't get me wrong. And then they, you know, Asuka's the one that's committing the real gnarly violence for the most part. And then they just all eat her, Ava, when it's done. And it's just, it's just like a flock of birds attacking something. Yeah, you know? but it's so, just having to see the yeah. guts pulled out. They don't seem necessarily malicious. They're like creepy because they smile when they like come back to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't get me wrong. They're like this, the scariest thing in the show. Yeah, horrible. But horrifying. yeah, their behavior isn't, you know, they're just fighting. No, they are, they are. Yeah, they're acting And she like, just kind like of very quickly yeah, starts stabbing them with <laughs> her box cutter. <laughs> no. <laughs> You know, bathing in their blood, snapping off the blade in that one's fucking face. Yeah, well, the one that drools, like at one point, this is like is, they have those big lips and these fleshy, kind of they seem to be fleshy, like white tubular mm-hmm. like, faces. They, they it makes me think of the, the sandworms from Beetlejuice. Yeah, those would say they kind of look like them. Uh, my wife commented like somebody said they look like Audrey Twos from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh yeah. Um, we point out that, like, in Asuka's battle with, with them, uh, mm-hmm. which is one of the more, like, you know, the bigger highlights of the show and, and just a visceral level, um, that, like, she's, you know, undone, if only by, like, the plug. Uh, the umbilical the cable. The umbilical cable, like, you know, losing it. Yeah. Um, 
But what the fuck is up with these things that she like decimates, like coming back to life? Well, they have S2 engines okay. in them. So they don't need the plugs. And we saw, remember when Ava Unit 1 goes berserk, it's able to kind of take, rip off the angel arm and grow itself a new arm from it. Yes. So there yes, are regenerative yes, powers yes. that we've seen when they get okay. more closer to being fully awakened. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think I mean, sure. they're able it, to regenerate. Because, yeah, it's like to some the, extent. The, the, we've been talking about the, the umbilical power cables of this like entire podcast like it's, it's 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 such an interesting aspect of the design of this whole thing and the idea that that is her undoing is is particularly like ironic and upsetting to me um and, and also that you know if shinji had been able to get there like maybe he could have you know if he could have gotten, gotten there in time like he could have stopped it but it does it, it like it does make me wonder like how like are these things even really killable like I, i'm not really right. sure i'm not even really I feel clear like on in that. the manga shinji might show up and help Huh. Yeah, we gotta. Because it really, I mean, it's really curious narratively. We spoke about this while we were watching it, and I don't think we spoke about it previously on the previous iteration of this episode. But um, the like Shinji it can't do it because, like, you know, Unit One's covered in bakelite, yeah. and like he can't do anything to help. And Oscar's getting murdered. It feels like Misato did get through to him because he wipes his eyes yeah. in the elevator and yeah. it is like, all right, fine, I'll fucking do it. And then he gets there and he and he's can't. like, oh, I can't fucking do it. So he just sits down, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And then it's not until Asuka is dead, essentially, mm-hmm. that Yui, like, wakes up, which... <laughs> good timing. Yeah. No, good timing, but maybe it's just tied intrinsically to that. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Is it is it Shinji? You know, because there is a connection between Shinji and Yuta 1 and, it, you know, it's reacting typically to him you know goes berserk when he's in immediate danger or in emotional distress and so is you know hearing that asuka has died something that unlocks something in shinji that allows the ava to kind of react that that makes me to like freak out and rip her hand out of the bake light Mm -hmm. and get in um love asuka in the fetal position chanting i don't want to die and then you can hear her mother saying you know don't die i'll protect you and but there's like a couple of instances where she does say "die with me." Yeah. Like so, there's the old mm, stuff creeping through, which that. is sort of interesting, and you know, don't know what that means or how that, why that is. But predominantly, it's just her mother, you know, sort of saying that she's going to be there with her, and that that acceptance, you know, the acceptance of her mother's death, but you're all, you'll still always be there with me, allows her to finally shake off. You know, we talk about how much the arc of this thing is acceptance. You know, Asuka's had a shitty life, but accepting that her mother's dead and gone, but still sort of loving her and see, you know, choosing to view that she's protecting her, that kind of gives her this power uh, that makes her unstoppable. And able to attack the self-defense forces here using a lot of similar shots and movements. We're looking at one right now on the screen to Satchiel's battle with the self-defense force in the first episode. Mm, from yeah. Catching missiles That's right. to like That's the, right. the the ships flying around and the way it like you know he has his little laser extend out of his hand and she like throws something throws a piece of ship you know and like just shots of her marching towards the ineffectual hail of bullets it's sort of like the Avas have become the angels and man is our enemy now but like mm-hmm. this time the good guys are the big giant thing that's being fired upon uselessly by the military <laughs> which is fun yeah. And love the shot of the umbilical cable landing in front of Asuka. Like, there's mm-hmm. so much depth to so many of these shots. And so the, the 
again, a lot of times with animation, especially American animation, you get this very stagnant, like a side-scrolling video game, like, you know, 2D composition and mm-hmm. to have it like landing and then the cable landing around it like kind of in the front and in the back it's, it's interesting beautiful. what she just said as we're watching it uh, and she's like taking down these like harrier jets or whatever the hell um and she's like i'm not about to lose to somebody to the like, likes of you the likes of you oh that's that's like that that would have that's, the original line yeah the, the line ending. for the ending yeah. it's like that the what, oh right as scripted yeah. the ending of the yeah. kill with somebody like you yeah that's interesting hmm Hmm. It's great stuff. It's, great it's just stuff. yeah. I mean, her so, her like axe kick, like bringing her leg down to kick the thing out of the air, and then one, two, three, four, that. five, six, seven, eight, nine. See, that's interesting. The, the whole the, okay. So the uh, you know the Ava mass produced line just showed up. It's got this top down like iconic shot of the planes flying in. They're all numbered, and you see the numbers like descending from one through nine or whatever, and then. Um, it lets the Ava line loose. And so they are kind of like circling. They're, they have flying, by the way. These are things that can fly. Yeah, they have wings. They have wings. Them circling is the most ominous. <laughs> yes. And one of the most powerful, haunting, and ominous scenes. The idea of like circling carrion. Yeah, they're like, yeah. They're... And that's that's the end where, where Rebirth ended. When you right, saw exactly. Death and Rebirth in the theater, the Rebirth ends with those things circling Unit 2. And it's like, oh, shit. You know, it's interesting that they're like kind of multi-purposed here. Like, I think, like the Ava in in the sense that they're here to stop Asuka. Like, Zayla, mm-hmm. you see them straight up say, okay, time to fight fire with fire or mm-hmm. something like that. So they send off that line um, to, like, do away with Asuka just so they can carry off their other integral part to their whole instrumentality aspect. Right, which yes. Which is the fact that they are imbued with Adam, with, like, a Kauru. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right, kind of. Is that hmm. am, I, am I wrong? Maybe, about this? yeah. Like, like, there has to yeah, be something Yeah, because they're sort of there to take out Asuka, ostensibly but they're really there to take part of the ritual that yeah, yeah they, 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 they have some sort of like yeah. purpose in this some sort of you know they're like the heralds of the well yeah they're they're fundamental in sort of getting everything into the right position they're, and you know making the the shapes appear in the sky and turning it into the you know the the tree there's, a kind, there's a kind of horseman of the apocalypse vibe to it mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, but they have to be. Much. But I mean, it's kind of a combination of Lilith Adam type of thing, right? So mm-hmm. if you have Lilith as Lilith mixed with Adam by way of Gendo giving it, or Ray taking it, mm-hmm. Ray taking Adam, then moving into Lilith, becoming this thing that is both Lilith Adam, right? Kind yeah. of. Yeah. Um, and then you have Shinji uh, in Unit O One. Unit O One is. Um, Spawn of Lilith. Yeah. Right. So Lilith body. And then you have the other Ava units that are Spawn of Adam. Right. And are imbued with mm-hmm. Kauru. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is Soul of Adam. Right. But so, they're just copies of him. Yeah, it's true. Like, it's it's not copies. a soul. Oh, you're right. You're, you're, we actually had this conversation. Yeah. You're right. I don't know. What happens to Adam's soul once Kauru's head gets popped off? <laughs> yeah. That's actually a good point. Yeah. Where that's is a it? Really good question. Where is it? Um,. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, it's. It, I mean, this is. It's this type of thing. Oh, here's. I'm so sorry. Masato's dying in front of us now. <laughs> this is always ultimately tragic for me. Oh, very tragic. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, like talking about the hostman of the apocalypse. Just like all, I think it's so great how biblical it gets without necessarily being specifically that. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like it's ripping images specifically from the Book of Revelation, but the type of imagery of how bizarre and psychedelic it gets, which there's a little bit of a precedent for in anime, but given this context, it's the most successful cosmic horror that I've ever seen committed to screen that actually does feel like 
the world is ending. And like mm-hmm. if the world did end and this cosmic, this God level stuff was happening, this is what it would look like. So like the multitude of eyes, the multitude of wings, these white things with wings come down and they're circling the sky. You know, that there's this tree that appears in the clouds and these symbols and that, you know, there's all this vaginal imagery and stuff too. Like other than like horns, like physical horns, but even the, even even unit one has a horn, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a lot of, that vibe that is legit terrifying. Um, I think, yeah, honestly, out of all the shit that we've seen in the show and up into this movie to like blow my mind, I think in the moment when Shinji is like, you know, um, lifted up, he like sprouts like some strange AT field wing type thing. Mm -hmm. that's very like, uh, I, I don't know, apocryphal kind of. It has a like, design to it. Which looks very much like, if you're talking about them, it looks a lot like the uh, Second Impact wings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the same kind of deal. You hear the same kind of sound. Mm-hmm. The clouds start to like circle around him. He Must is be lit. the devil. Exactly. He He's like, he's flown up by the, uh, you know, the mass-produced Ava units mm-hmm. further up into the stratosphere, the toposphere or whatever, and... And it's a great image that you see from ground level of, like, the troops that are still kind of there to, like, you know, infiltrate Nerve. Like, you see it from their perspective looking yes. up. And it's, like, far in the distance, but it's clearly <laughs> this, like, strange shape. Of, like, oh, yeah. Like, and it, and it's, it's not – it's when we see – it's right before that where we're, like, closer in on, like, the detail. And they sprout anti-AT fields, right? Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, just like the uh, the script, the scripture of like oh. the Dead Sea Scroll, like <laughs> literally just implants itself over mm-hmm. top of it. And Luke asks while you're watching it, it's like, is that did that is that supposed to be like legend? Is that real? Yeah, like, is the text that? there? Is the text like, there? Could you read like, it like, if you like by? Unclear. Uh, Unclear. That I think. Kind I hope of, so. I, I do too. That blew my mind when I was a kid. I think more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then, in, in conjunction with that, one of the most haunting images from from the movie for me, in addition to the circling mass production models, is when Shinji comes out and he's in his uh, school uniform in the Ava, which he's in two other times. Once in the very first battle. Uh, not in his plug suit, in his just his school uniform, and then in the, the when he gets subsumed into in the fight with Zeruel later, and then here, so this is the last time he's just in his regular clothes, and he's in those regular clothes and just like staring, and he's just he's so slack faced, like he's so, and I know we get a lot of her like him just being like literally dead weight, like I don't want to do anything, and uh, you know Misada's dragging him around, but there's something so like he's just broken, like that's just the face of a broken person, yeah, that's just floating there, and you can hear the. The, the drone of the cockpit and like the wind around him and then he sees Asuka's body and then he finally reacts right. but just the the dead look on his face is you know something I feel inside sometimes but also <laughs> just like facing the apocalypse with that expression it's just it kind of encapsulates like the tragedy of the whole uh-huh, thing for me uh-huh. in a way that I find very powerful and upsetting yeah um, that just that look on his face and it's just like what a what a testament to like the animators and even like when Masada is trying to give her her speech and he's like kind of like looking to the, he's not making eye contact. He's looking to the side, like yep. really mm-hmm. yep. the fucking acting on all of these characters in this episode, like Asuka's face when she's like, she like, he's grabbing one of the mass production models and looking upward 
and then like she'll like ah, like her her brow like like clenches and she uh-huh. like gets there's like one where she's like looking up and like leaning towards the screen and like gets like into it like all of those you up. every one of the shots of her inside while during that fight are like the best Oscar animation like it's it's so expressive it's so good it's so they the slight camera movements from when you inside can there. see like the cockpit moving like her hair swinging it's and so you good can really feel especially when you've got it on a nice big screen the like whoa the, like it feels like you're on a ride like yeah it's really incredible yeah uh, so yeah, I mean, just yeah, the 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 amount of acting is exquisite on the on the faces. Because I I assume that when we talk about having more time and more money, it literally just means man hours into like frame by frame animation yeah. that allows for uh, like instead of having to cut back to the same static shot, like it's like the inside of the cockpits in like Top Gun or something like that. It's like the fact that like every time they cut back to her, it's like a separate shot and her face is doing something different. Or just being able like, to move her face. That's why, you know, anime gets lip flap is because it's like, well, you draw a still frame of the face. The only thing you animate is the mouth. Yeah. And you're saving so much money because you're only, you have one picture that's the face and then you can do as many frames as you want of the mouth, but it's like a lot easier to draw a mouth. When you're animate, that's why you know, Disney movies have all that like you know smoother animation stuff because they, you know, every they're redrawing the entire face for yeah. every single frame. Yeah, and they're able to do more of that here. Like, yeah, you can you, just you, imagine you can't really even tell, tell as a layman necessarily, but the the insane cost of that. Yeah, the mask on. Uh, I'm sorry to jump ahead, but no, as we play the movie before us, we we just actually perfectly left that scene where Oscar was decimating the Ava. <laughs> Mass-produced units, but fountain of blood. We just jumped into seeing Lilith, and we see Lilith with this mask on, with like the nine eyes mask, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Um, are those craters on the mask, or are they like it's a good, are they convex like a or concave or something? Like yeah, it's a really, it, it's a really interesting thing. I don't know, hmm. Luke. Did you ever come across any in your reading about what the fuck that mask is? I and... mean, it's the Zayla symbol. It um, is, yeah, but. Oh, that's true. I don't know who, you know, I guess they put it there. Or or they got the symbol from that. That could be too. Right. I that mean, would make more yeah, sense once once Lilith is sort of activated, you know, the mask comes off. Oh, uh, good point. Takes the mask off right away. But does anybody have any theories as to what the fuck Gendo says to Ritsko here? Yeah, let's talk about Gendo and Ritsko and the and the culmination of their thing and the whole love triangle between uh, uh Ritsko, her mother and Gendo. And that she, when she hacks the, you know, saves Nerf with her, her hacking, she puts in a self-destruct code and tries to fuck up Gendo's plan by blowing up the whole place. And she is betrayed by her mother. Like Casper, which is her self as a woman, chooses her lover over her daughter. And so, you know, die with me, mother. Click. God damn it! Yeah. And, and so Gendo gets the drop on her and pulls a gun and tells Ritsuko, "I've truly," or in this, I this translation slightly different. It's like so I, I really, I really did. And it's blah, blah, blah. dot dot dot. And then she says, "Liar!" And then he shoots her. Well, that's my 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 joke while we were watching was like Gendo with his perfect like you know lack of ability to give compliments to anybody that he was like I really did. Not mind sleeping with you sometimes, right? <laughs> it's like, like he's Liar. not gonna say I really did love you. You did mind it, yeah. It's like it's like he's not gonna say like even like yeah that was fun for what it was. He's just gonna say yeah I did I I really did not mind you know you being around and helping me when I needed you. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like yeah. I mean, I it's another one of those things that I think is 
you know, you have to do it so carefully because you don't, if it's just like, if you just slather a bunch of this obtuse shit onto something top to bottom, I'm, I'm out. I'm not, well, I'm just never in. But this, like the choices like that, like to just like, well, just cut out and you don't hear what he says. It's possible to translate. You don't know what that exchange is. That is so engaging that, they, you know, because they, they give you enough of the other stuff, but just to make that choice to just not right. let you hear it and give right. just just a little piece of mystery. They still well, they've always played such a light touch with that particular relationship, too. Right. And that's in that like, right. I mean, that it's just a continuation of that, which is interesting because, you know, if they gave us more of a window into the sort of private life or the kind of intimate life of Gendo, I think it would, you know it would change the perception of him, which is the perception that we get sort of from Shinji's perspective. Right. The, He's always kept part. at a distance. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's just so exciting. I think it's such a bold choice and it's like really cool and really clever. And I, you know, just that they parcel that stuff out perfectly of like when to be kind of willfully abstruse with you. Um, and, and, and when not to like, it, it all just feels like a, a you know, a, a purposeful dance an intentional thing. Uh, and I love that they kind of won't, won't let you be done with it like mm-hmm. well you'll never know what he says so you know you can watch that a billion times and kind of feel something different it does seem to me i think you're right something vaguely complimentary about the time they shared yeah because <laughs> she says she liar. rejects it yeah and it seems she says it in such a way that it feels like she wants to believe it but can't let herself yeah um so oscar is undone not just by you know her um plug but uh, their regenerative abilities um no, but by the Lance of Longinus, just like oh, magically yeah. appearing, it, <laughs> moving from like a blade flying in the air, like one yeah. of the one of the Ava mass produced weapons, right? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know what you would call blade. that thing. Well, all of their blades are copies of the lance. They're just somehow is that disguised? Right? Yes, because they each have one. They all throw them later at the end. They all drop them down in just a second. So oh. one of them throws it at her, and then. It stops at the AT field, and then it kind of reveals itself for what it truly is. There's a lance, and the abil- or a copy of the lance that has the ability to pierce the AT field, and that gets her in the face. And then while she's sort of yeah. there, in another incredibly powerful image of reaching toward the heavens, this this hand reaching up, and you've got this beautiful like halo effect of the light shining, and this hand reaching towards toward God and enlightenment or whatever, and she's just saying, "I'll kill you, I'll kill you." And these angel things, these winged messengers, circling over her head, and then another lance comes down and splits her hand up, and then a bunch of them come down. So they all disguise you know revealed to be lances or are able to turn into these copies of the lance and they all pierce her and then they use those in the ritual when they stab them into their cores and right resonate and create the anti-at field so it's very strange to me that it just has the ability to sort of like like morph uh into from one thing to another especially since we kind of established the weight of them so that's weird, but there's a lot more weird shape shifty stuff in the rebuild movies. I did. I did also just. It was, it was. It was reminding me of something, and I'm sure there's other um, like fine art references. But that image of her of, of Unit Two on the ground with all pierced by all the things it looks sort of like the tarot card where the guy oh, the, the ten of swords. The, tarot yeah, card. the swords. 
like just and I and I'm like I'm sure. sure there's some other like I said like some you know reference from like you know the Renaissance art that I would could also be thinking of, but that it struck me that that looked like that. Well, it's just really it's just wild. I mean, it's wild to me that okay, so these lances are clones of the original lance, like yeah, ben, some sort of copy. Okay, yeah, they're copies. In, this, in right. the same way that you know Kaoru and Ray, you know, like it's like, there's some magical way that they it's kind transfer of, the powers of these things into another object. Uh, okay, but Zele is so remiss that they can't. Right. No, we can't get the real one back. Yeah, that's yeah. But they already. But but. But they still want. I mean, whatever they they can't quite do everything that the real one can because they're pissed. And then when it comes back, they're like kind of excited. Okay, that's right. I mean, and it's yeah. it's very cool when it does come flying back and like hovers over Ava yes. Unit One's throat. And again, you're taking your most like kind of commercial, iconic, toyetic image of the show uh, in Ava Unit One, and just again the sort of abuse and weird permutations that they put it through. Like, you know, imagine you have the Gundam in a crucified pose with a blade hovering over its throat. It's amazing. Like, it's it's, just, you're not going to get that with so many other things. It's amazing when it comes to as well, because you cut back down to ground level and like one of the troops is like high velocity object coming yeah. from deep space, oh, so and you good. see it's like a flash in the in the sky, and it's kind of amazing to get that perspective where there's like literal biblical shit happening, but at a distance from you. Yeah, you know, yeah. and like the scale just... establishment is so good. Exactly, in the movie more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But just the abuse, just like sort of the, the victimization of Unit One in this. That it never really. I mean, it gets it grows its wings and hovers there, but it doesn't really do anything badass. It just kind of no. gets you know jacked around and tortured by <laughs> by this process which is i don't know pretty cool he's serving his ultimate goal an ultimate form though here we go high velocity object approaching from space <sighs> so neat love it so, so neat um, um yeah so i mean what else is there to dig into i don't I know mean, I, I i was gonna just highlight as if we haven't already enough there's just a note i made that just i think that um the death of Asuka is one of the great on-screen character deaths. <sighs> yeah. I think, I mean, I, I mean, we can ruminate on that, and, and I'm sure we're going to have another episode at some point. Where I, we... am a, I am a big fan of on-screen character deaths. And yeah, and I, Narrative I, character deaths. Thinking, thinking through, like, what the best ones, you know, in, in, in you know, cinema or television or, you know, media, I, it, it, this is one of the best ones, I think. The whole sequence, her whole, like, mini progression, her little arc that she has there of, like, coming to her powers and connecting you know, with the idea of her mother. And, and they kind of owed her, and, you know, because yeah, no, in the absolutely. show she kind of gets, you know, her arc is like, she just ends catatonic in that bathtub and it, like this starts with her just, you know, she, she jacking well, she off sort of, over her. Well, she's sort of fridged and then she yes. becomes like the, the, the effective hero of at least the, the, the yeah. physical circumstances of this particular episode. Yeah. Because it's after that, it all goes into just metaphysical cool stuff mm-hmm. in, in, in a sense or other. So Unit Zero was, doesn't even show up in the movie. Nope. <laughs> Unit Zero is gone. Uh, there's like some shots of like old the old like yeah, heads of it. Those or are whatever, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, there's stigmata on Shinji that kind of appears on his palms when when the unit is stabbed, which is interesting. I didn't notice. That. I also want to point out just talking about Misato's cross being a sort of continual thing that kind of helps focus Shinji. It's very important in the end when he's sort of making the decision. You keep a lot of shots of it. Um, when he's making his decision to kind of come back to the real world, almost like it's kind of reminding him of like what he's fighting for and like what to come back to. Um, but he also, there's a prominent shot of him looking at it in the cockpit and the, the string 
is wrapped around his ring finger, his wedding ring finger. Mm. Um, huh. Which, you know, whatever. But you're, you're making a choice when you make these drawings. And our friend Joe McNeil, I think, pointed that out at one point that it's uh, where his wedding band would be. I also find it interesting that it's that it's not a traditional like uh, Catholic cross or something. No, it's like a... It's like a plus sign, basically. Right. It's it's a different thing. And I mean, I'm sure that, you know, that somebody who knows more about these things could probably tell me that, oh, yeah, you know, different. There's some traditions where that is. I'm sure, that, you it's know, like, like a first aid kit. It's a, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like I'm sure that there's some, you know, historical value to that particular version of a, of a, a cross, quote unquote. But it is interesting to me that instead of this sort of cliche, uh, you know, movie version where there's yeah, of course. just a Catholic crucifix. You mean Prometheus? Yeah, we're just, I mean, we were just watching a movie last night that had prominently featured a... Uh, uh, a, 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 a sentimental value, you it's know, true. crucifix. It's just such a thing that you see in like, it's kind of like, yeah, in like sci-fi movies like Prometheus and stuff like that. It's used as a kind of shorthand for like character depth or like something, you yeah. know. Well, it's, they have faith. Yeah, and it's just it's just interesting that 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 that's what. This no, because it doesn't imply that. It's just something that's yeah. you know it's just a, down it's, from yeah, it's just a thing. Know, from her father. Because again, again, like this seems to be in many ways exist in a world where. Uh, traditional like a christian religion is is so de-emphasized yes so as to almost seemingly not exist um, uh should we talk about the egg of lilith being revealed they like this explosion happens which i guess is kind of third impact where it makes it looks like a giant eye when you see it from yeah, space and this yeah, huge massive amazing. thing and the and the egg the geofront is exposed the hollowed out place is is revealed and when third impact really starts taking off I floats out of the earth and I had never realized until never Kevin pointed either. it out. It's like, yeah, they're inside there. Nerve HQ is inside that black orb that is being lifted up. And they, they do comment like, okay, height now, blah, 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 however many meters. So they are rising up and they're, they're contained inside there. I'd never really thought about before. Yeah. They're like the balloon boy. Another thing <laughs> I'd never noticed before. I, none of us had noticed is in the live action sequence that the, there's a shot of a crowd right in a in an alley in the live action sequence and you see actresses from behind yeah dressed like in cosplay yes yes and like a blue wig and a you know a red jacket and the barrettes like you see ray and asuka and misato with their backs to the camera yeah like, it's 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 hard portrayed it's, it's by hard real actors physically there and i'd never i guess the quality of yeah prints that i've been watching and like you're reading the subtitles and there's like so much at this point there's just information overload um, but seeing those three characters there in live action was like pretty crazy. I'd never fucking seen that before. No, it's interesting. Never I mean, noticed. I'm it. glad that they don't do too much more with that. No, I think that's really cool. And I do want to point out because I, I pointed out when we were watching it, and it's just worth mentioning. Um, the the as you you previously brought up the the footage of a theater audience, which is in this case literally yes, you know the the Evangelion audience for Death and Rebirth, and that that the idea of sitting in a movie theater watching a movie that is effectively showing you a mirror of what you're doing like i've i believe i've only not well that not like it's never but like the other time that i can remember something like that being done uh, as effectively was at the beginning of the movie holy motors the leos carex film from a couple of years ago um that did sort of start with with a scene like that where like you do sort of look back at an audience watching you 
Um, if I'm remembering that correctly, that's how I remember it anyways. And I, I just find that really interesting and just, this is cool. You know, it's cool to watch it at home and it's jarring to see the live action shots, but I bet the first time a theater audience saw that was probably pretty fucking cool. <laughs> like, well, speaking of the live action shots, we were sort of, you know, we, we talked, commented while watching that this is like when now it's just fully off the rails at this point. And I, I remember hearing a, a, a story of my friend Will showing it to somebody and it, that's the point where they just got up and left the room. <laughs> And I was like, all right, I'm done with this. Fuck Wait, this. can you say who it was? Left I, I, he's, he was his brother, who is now a big fan of uh, the that, show. That's what I thought. Okay, uh, really so funny. he came around, but you know, like just having the reaction of like, man, fuck this. That's really um, funny. But then it, it's part of a longer planned, and in my VHS copy of it, there was a trailer or something for it. And so I'd seen some of this footage. Yeah, I, I remember never that. knew what it was. But there is there was a scripted and shot and it's been released, so maybe we can watch and cover it, you know, either today or sometime, maybe in a different episode. But there is a live action like sort of short film, like a sequence that is akin to the parallel world of the end of the TV show, the fantasy romantic comedy world. That's a live action Asuka in a relationship with Toji and she is neighbors with Misato and you have actors playing those mm-hmm. roles, having interactions and going through their day. Really? And it was going to show this um, up until a point when Shinji, a disembodied voice sort of says, you know, like Asuka, I'm, I'm not here or something. And Ano played that voice. Hmm. Um, that's, that's really funny. So there was this whole like live action dream sequence that it was going to be. And for whatever reason that ended up not making it. But we still kind of cut to the live action stuff that feels has been pointed out very much like on his movie Love and Pop. Yeah, the the the, the low angle, like the the looking up at the swing was it? There's like a the sw- yeah swing uh, like with the cameras like sort of laying on the ground looking up at it is very similar to a lot of um, the the really unique and interesting camera work that he prioritized in Love and Pop, which is a movie by the way that's hard to come by. Um, it's out of print. How uh, is it? And it's also shot on like um, mini DV, and so there's just never going to be anything more than an SD version of it. I don't think like it's. Mm. it's I, there's well, no... I have that one. I don't have uh, Ritual R- Day, Ceremony Day. Um, I don't think that was ever. Uh, yeah, I don't think they got a home video here. in the states. So, so you know, I'm. I, I've seen. Look, it. if the FBI wants to come and get me, they can. But I think um, I feel okay telling anyone listening to this that if you're interested in seeing Love and Pop or uh, Ritual Day or Ceremony Day, whatever they call it. Um, just download it if you can. I mean, honestly, like there's they're, they're, these things are they're not going to exist, and maybe one day in the future, some great, uh, you know, Arrow or you know, uh, I don't know, whatever, uh, Screen Factory or Shout Factory or something. Maybe they'll do versions mm-hmm. of them. I, I'm not expecting that, so steal them if you have to, because they're great movies. And if you like this shit and you're just craving more Ano, like that's a great place to go. Yeah, I mean, I advocate you seeing them however you can. I'm not going to go into the specifics like Ben is of, of like <laughs> how I said, to do that. I can defend that. Um, uh, I would love for somebody to read I would pay. I would pay whatever retail price to get a nice copy of those sure. things. But they, I mean, right um, now, I think that the the out-of-print DVD on like eBay, last time I checked for Love & Pop, is like, I don't know, $100 or something like that. The so you got to buy it. If, yeah. Oh. No, yeah, you've, you've got a rare... Thing got a rare thing? Yeah. It's, and there's not that many of them. I mean, even though, like, they are just the very scarce. Because I think Super cool. these things were not released in any sort of major... No, no. I mean, I used to... I remember renting it on the disc from Netflix years ago. Sure. You know, but... 
Uh, I want to talk about, because it's one of my favorite things that I made such a big deal about before, and I'd kind of forgotten how big it pays off here. And I know it's just it's just the thing that you say. It is the, you know, tadaima okairinasai is the call and response. Honey, I'm home. Like, welcome back. That's what you say in a you know, Japanese home. But the fact that Shinji in the first episode, you know, or second episode maybe, hesitates to cross the threshold into the house. And it's such a big moment for him when he says, Tadaima, like he says, I'm, I'm back, I'm home. And Misato welcomes him home. Uh, and then when he's going to leave at the train station, he, you know, it's the same thing. He says, I'm home. She says, welcome home. And so he's made the decision to, to stay and make this his home. We get the exchange between Ray and Lilith where Ray says, I'm home. She says to Daima. And then you get the text on the screen of Lilith saying, welcome home. And so the soul reuniting with the body uh-huh, uh-huh. in such a big way is so fucking cool. Uh-huh. And it's so fucking cool that Lilith like talks, but it's not like, you know, welcome home. Like they don't do anything. It's just text on the screen. And it's like, this is the sentiment that, that she's thinking. I love, love that. Love that. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, there's other stuff. There, there are, there were a couple other scripted endings that Eva Geeks talks about, um, that are slight variations on what we get, which might yeah. be worth bringing yeah, up. Talk about it. When that there was an ending that starts the same as the actual ending with the beach, the petrified mass production model Ava's, the graves, and in this version you actually see Asuka's foot kicking one of the graves down. Interesting. Um, and then it continues. Uh, to the to the thing that we have and then when Shinji starts crying Asuka says idiot no way I'll let you kill me which we sort of know and then the music would come up and then we were going to see um, Ava 1 lying on the moon with a woman's hair flowing from its broken mask her face unseen and that we'd see the red earth and the black moon destroyed and then go on past the sun and into the credits that way hold on what's the red earth and by comparison to the black moon I mean, I guess the Earth is now red because oh, okay, LCL. okay, very good, yeah, okay. and the crosses and stuff. So that seems like you know six of one, half a dozen of the other. Really, mm-hmm. like that's the scripted line, and you, uh, like I noticed it for the first time here. Like, do you see hair yeah. coming out the back? Of I never noticed Ava it before. Unit one. Yeah, I never had noticed it's it before. Floating. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other ending, which should have been like the fucking like real fuck you ending, is kind of the same, uh, but Asuka never shows up. Shinji's lying on the beach, holding on to someone's white arm. And he says, I'll never see them again. It's better to think of it this way. I'm still alive, so I'll keep on living. He squeezes the hand harder, and then he sees Ray, just like in the, you know, standing on the water. And we eventually see that there's nobody lying near Shinji, just a white arm without the rest of the body. And then we see the full moon followed by the end credits. Jeez. So it would have been like, I choose to, you know, go back to the world. And then he's just there alone with Ray's, I guess, severed arm, just like sitting beside him. Yeah, I mean that's that's and the, that's the end. It's for, yeah, for him because we joked about him being like the guy in Interstellar or like Tom Hanks in Castaway or something. You know that like oh he's just lashing out because it's he's he's been there for like I mean because if if you told me that like oh he actually was on that beach alone for like twenty years or something right. in a sort of timeless void until other people, I would be like yeah that still tracks with the logic of this whole thing. But yeah, the idea that you're actually going to end with the idea that he's just like the version of living and standing up for himself and like embracing life is to just 
be alone in a ruined world like forever right. like that's so i think i think the ending that we have sort of splits the difference between a happy ending and a sad ending is like you, you could end it with like yui flying into space like we said and that would be really satisfying and i feel like the manga does i have to read it again but sort of you know kind of expresses those things a little bit more and like ends on the more positive side of the spectrum um and then you have like this totally bleak thing, which is like, yeah, I choose to go to a world, you know, of acceptance and rejection. And then he's just there alone forever. And it's like, you know, well, fuck you. You shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. We kind of have this. Yes, I choose this world. And we get a suggestion of like, maybe it's just going to be horrible. But we don't know for sure. And like that sort of, you know, mm-hmm. and like I was saying before, that's sort of the best you can get. It's like, yeah, you can encourage these people to, you know, step outside your door, take ownership over yourself and command of your own life. And fucking do something. Don't expect everything to come to you. Go out there and engage with the world and see what happens. But without the promise of, and it's going to be great and everything's going to be fine. You know, it is like, take the risk. Maybe you just end up alone on a beach maybe you end up with one other person. Maybe everything's going to get back to normal, but you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Oh, we do see here Misato putting on the yellow shirt and then we cut to Asuka wearing the yellow shirt. So mm-hmm. it really ties together. We talked about this in the previous episode, but the fact that Asuka wears Misato's shirt when she's out of town, uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. Do we, should we talk about come Susser toad come sweet death? the pop song oh yeah we should we should and 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 just i mean i can cut this part uh we're coming up on two hours for this one sure well we we, can wrap it up we can but but i think i think we should talk about the song i think it's fine yeah i think we should talk because because i'm also emboldened like um i'm probably i'll throw it in at the end of the thing too just for fun (laughs) since we did that on the other episode yeah i don't think anyone cares um ano wrote the lyrics to the song um i don't know if he did the translation he might have written them in japanese and then they were translated into english but uh yeah he did did write the song and it's sung by somebody named Ariane Ariane Schreiber a South African born British singer interesting uh, and there was a gospel version of this song on the Evangelion Vox soundtrack which I've talked about before um, yeah I, it, the song always reminds me I, I brought this up to you guys and it's weird I can't I mean so, so who composed the music? Is it just... Okay, so both songs, there's this song, and then there's another one, Everything You've Ever Dreamed, uh, composed by Shiro Sagisu, yeah. the uh, composer of the series, with lyrics adapted into English by Mike Wisgowski from Hideaki Aono's original Japanese version. There you go. It always, this this the song, it, it always reminds me, for whatever reason, slightly inexplicable, and maybe I'm just way off base, but it always reminds me of the... Um, Song by Genesis. Yes, the the, the Pete with Peter Gabriel Peter version Gabriel of Genesis. Genesis. Yeah. Peter Gabriel Genesis from the album Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, which was from like the early eighties, I think, Kevin. Probably seventies, right? Maybe late seventies. I don't remember when Lamb Lies Down on Broadway was released. But the song is called Counting Out Time. is it's just got it's got a bunch of different movements to it and it, and they don't go in the same order but the different movements of the song and the sort of feeling of the song has some similarities to the song in this movie and i uh 
and I really like both of those songs. Um, also, Counting Out Time is also, he says a couple things that have like apocalyptic imagery to them in the lyrics. So it also sort of sounds like it's, but it, it also hilariously is a, is a song that if you really listen to it is about like a young guy trying not to, um, uh, come too soon when he's having sex for like the first time or something. It's like, literally it's like about a, like a teenage boy having like a sexual panic thing. So it's funny, like listening to a song that like directly references apocalyptic imagery and sexual awkwardness of a young boy. That sounds like, that is an upbeat pop song that sounds like the upbeat pop song, which is sort of like not talking about any of those things on purpose in this, like in, in, in a, in a the, way the, that's the, indirectly. Come Toad is explicitly talking about suicide. Like, oh, is, is it? Explicitly. If you listen to the lyrics, yeah, yeah, I never paid explicitly a suicide song. That's really interesting. I know too. I've let you down. I've been yeah. a fool to myself. I thought that I could live for no one else. Now to all the hurt and pain, it's time for me to respect, you know, the ones you love me more than anything. Um, that's really interesting when we talk about the use of music. happy, now is sad. Because my world is ending, it all comes tumbling down. Yeah. Because like you, you, it's like there's a there's a way. Because when I first saw this, I I didn't know that that wasn't just like a pre-existing pop song, and 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 it has the feeling of something like using like you know, um, like something from like Guardians of the Galaxy or something. Sure. You know, like it almost feels like using a like if they had used the Genesis song, that it's like oh that's a cool pull that like this apocalyptic imagery will play over like an upbeat pop song that right that which it, is brilliant and and to answer a question from a while ago that you were sent in like obviously that that's my favorite music cue yeah. in the whole thing but the fact the fact that it was written for the thing to play in that contrasting thing that it's upbeat against violent imagery but the apocalyptic imagery but that it's also even another step that Anno wrote like lyrics about suicide that are if you're not paying attention to it you don't ca- it's like you're just listening to an upbeat pop song so it's got like multiple different uh contrasting tonal aspects all done intentionally that were not like you instead of like picking the pina colada song or something to make, you know play an ironic thing it's like that he just made his own song it's pretty cool yeah i wish that i could turn back time because now the guilt is all mine can't live without the trust from those you love i know we can't forget the past you can't forget love and pride because of that it's killing me inside it all returns to nothing Cause like that be on my fucking computer screen in midsummer. <laughs> well, like like and I know and I know that in um and I know you keep wanting to say something. That's but, fine. But I know that in I can't remember if it's in the first or second rebuild movie. There's a similar you know I think it's in the second one. There's a similar you know big sequence like this that, yeah, that uses a song. That's too and it's, on the but, nose. But but I know from um from talking to a friend who knows more about it. And I don't know if I should make reference to it or not. But that it's it's a song that was a sort of like a kind of standard like folk like you know right folk song that was really like considered like a sort of not nationalistic in the like you know fascist way but that like it was like a japanese like celebratory anthem mm. that was then re-recorded like from like the 70s or something uh mm. that was re-recorded by you know for the movie and so playing that cool. over the the apocalyptic imagery is that sort of contrasting thing that's like, oh, everyone's going to know this song. It's like playing, you know, God Bless America over like footage of the, you know, uh-huh. Civil War or something like right. that. It's like, okay, yeah. Which you're, doesn't you're... work as well for me because it's no, it's a just interesting that, nose, he, but... did, that he did the sort of advanced evolved version yes. by making his own and then later did the sort of thing that's a more like the Guardians of the Galaxy kind of a thing. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, I like, I like them both. I think they're both effective, but it's obviously this one being the original one and is and is at the coming at the climax of this whole fucking thing that you've been watching is you know unparalleled. I think it's amazing. You 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 keep looking. No no no. I'm just so curious. Cause I never noticed this detail before. Like I mean, the, the song, the, the 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 sequence that starts off this song that you guys are talking about is when Shinji is choking Asuka, 
And have you yeah. noticed, guys, in this one profile shot that's like tracking along the the tables, the amount of bottles that are just sitting <laughs> on the counter? There are a bunch of bottles on the counter. It is un. Believable. Yeah, they, they're like, like they're like liquor bottles and wine bottles. I mean, we're used to seeing a lot of beer cans yeah, laying around yeah, apartment, but that's I don't know that I've ever seen. It's like it almost looks like Jerry Seinfeld's like cereal collection. Or right. Like, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's it's that bit though with that cue that you're talking about when the when the dun 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 dun, dun like it starts over him choking her. It's like and then it just goes into the most apocalyptic stuff. It's so when it hits and then there's that moment and then there's the moment when you see Lilith rising out of the earth and that's when that's I wish that I could turn back time and the way the swell of the music at those points so like it's entrance and then like when it really builds it's it's so phenomenal like it's so provocative like you just you just have to respond to it and it's it just gets under your skin in a way that doesn't feel like a joke like it doesn't feel like cause see that the one you're talking about from the rebuild movie feels a little like jokey to me. Like you mm-hmm. would play, you know, like people tiptoe to the tulips or something. It's like, oh, it's yeah. this, it was a creepy song, you know. And it's like this is a pop song over the most horrific violence, but it doesn't feel like it's being played at all for laughs. It just adds to the surreality in the biggest way. And the gentle piano lulling you into these pictures of like progressively violent like drawings mm-hmm. and then into the end of the world it's structurally stuff. but the song itself and knowing that it was composed it is like a structurally like a seven to nine wonderful song. piece of music like the the, the builds as different movements is different like well it just descends into people chanting it all returns to nothing and then hand claps yeah that's great i never noticed um in like you know the like the 13th or 14th stage of a human instrumentality here when <laughs> when the uh uh, Lilith, Adam, you know. Um, yeah, because I guess it's both. We, I keep yeah, saying it's Lilith, I know, but you're I know. right. I think it's it both. is both. It is yeah, both. This form is now in the in the cosmos, basically, like hovering above Earth. <laughs> um, and yeah, um, yeah, it is. <laughs> the tree of life is um, lowering down into like uh, what would appears to be like a third eye that opens up. Mm-hmm. Um, the cosmic third it's eye. a third eye Cos- that opens up in a vagina yeah there's a clitoris <laughs> there I've is a kn- full yeah. clitoris on this vagina thing. <laughs> really you, like it's not that yeah because you see a slit in something like this and you're like oh yeah vaginal imagery you know david cronenberg like you know that body is stuff. a full on vagina it's, or it's, it's like i mean down it like in a way that is like almost amazing specifically that it's anime because it's like that is like anatomically like a like a better representation of like well, most in when 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 the women are naked in this show, they don't have vaginas. It is Barbie yeah. doll city down there. Yeah, and, and it's so and, and it's giants. That even in, in hentai, they they usually don't show anatomically. Yeah. I mean, like you yeah. know, it's all the pixels. There's a lot of imagery. Like I I watched Wicked City the other day, and there's like oh, a sure. pretty intense. Oh yeah, that, no, that's vaginal what... opening, like like oozing light. Oh yeah, no, that stuff's amazing. <laughs> it is very vaginal, but I don't think it's as anatomically like yep no um, like you, you freeze it you're like you're staring at that it just also and has the an spear eye. i think kevin you pointed out the the lance is sticking out of the tree and doesn't it like it just lines pierce? up perfectly yeah. as the cross is descending into the eye the lance like the the the, the like the slit like starts to close and just like it brings the clitoris right to like the yeah. tip of the, like, tip the, of the lance. lance like yeah <laughs> everything serves a purpose you know and <laughs> perfect fit it's it's wild i don't know it's, yeah that's it, so you know uh 
watch it on the biggest TV you can get. I mean, I think, you know, hats off to Netflix for uh, allowing us to be able to, to have this presentation of it. But like that yeah. detail like that, that I, I think went unnoticed largely because of just poor quality in the past now is like really impressive and interesting. And, and, and it makes this it's better. This movie's better than I thought it was seeing it in this way is like, I think it, mm. I mean, it gets better every time I see it anyways, but especially now it, it does feel like, you know, almost like seeing it again for the first time in a lot of ways. And, uh, it's just one of those things yeah. that, you know, we've spoken to on so many levels, but it's like ultimately like detail oriented. Like, Oh, it's the Ray from the opening credits comes floating by the, the James Bond Ray. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You do see in the background of what looks like a lot of sexy stuff. <laughs> It, yeah, look it looks like rotoscoped, stuff, yeah. like um, uh, like pornography of some kind, or like. Uh, oh, real quick, one thing that I should address: there's like the long-held rumor that there is hate, like death threats, um, shown on screen that Gynox received. Um, here, there are there is like some hate mail on there, but like there were they didn't receive death threats for the way the show ended. Oh, cool. The the angry letters were from the way Rebirth ended by not showing the entire movie. Oh, that's funny. Uh, so the, the sort of the cliffhanger half-assed, here's 25 minutes, but the rest isn't done yet. There was anger about that. Oh, I believe that. And most of them were like complimentary letters with complaints in them. And there's only one really that would be considered like hate mail. So while there were angry fans and there is, you do see images of like, you know, Di Anno, I think, uh, appear on the screen uh, briefly in one of these subliminal flashy things. Um, it's not exactly what everybody says it was or thought it was. So the death threats that we, I think even we made a big deal yeah. about in a previous episode were not exactly as extreme as we, Correction. As we thought. Good. I'm, I'm so. happy to hear that. Yeah, I'm happy to hear there's plenty the of death threats these days. Yeah, Twitter, well, it's become so. like par for the course. But it's like knowing that the angry Evangelion fans are are slightly better behaved than the uh, angry Dark Knight Rises fans. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Um, well, that we've talked a long time. We have talked a long time. I think. I mean, there's there's almost no way that this is like the last we're going to talk about this. I think that we will shake out some more. I would like stuff. to maybe get together at some point and watch that live action thing. Yeah, I think um, it's a good idea. I think it's a it's a great way to motivate further further discussion and um and have a little decompress here. Um and 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 you know obviously you know uh, now that we have finally you know it's all out we've we've talked about everything um you know it, another invitation for listener questions yeah um if you guys have anything you want us to talk about it's particularly in regards to the wealth of you know bizarre shit in this movie um you know, feel free. We'll do our best. I mean, we love answering those things and it's really fun to do. And, um, you know, so yeah. we'll, we'll say goodbye for now without, I don't know. I mean, it's an elliptical goodbye, I think. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know without the promise of necessarily a brand new episode next Friday. Yeah. We, we it, it could happen. It, might not it happen. could happen. We'll see. Um, uh, but just know that we really did. Really did what? That was me that being, was that, was, that, was that was Gendo talking to Ritzko. Oh, okay. <laughs> so guys, this podcast has been great. Just know that, you know, we really did. I'm so used to, I truly, yeah, okay. That was so fucked up. You're the lowest of the low, Ben. Yeah. But no, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll figure out what to do. And we're certainly, we enjoy this too much to, to not. No, and I, yeah, to, I, I want to do the exactly rebuild how. movies. Yeah. I'd like to talk again. I just don't want to promise, you know, I, I, I felt really bad that we had to go so long without 
covering End of Evangelion for yeah. crying out loud. So we kind of left everybody in the lurch. But now that we've covered the entire show and, and the original run of everything that the series is, you know, I want to come back. Yeah, we will. And we'll let you know when we're coming back. But it might not be as on as regular a schedule as it as it has been. But Yeah, we'll figure that out. And we did, I think... We so already... much more to discuss in the world of Evangelion. Well, I think we already did promise on air that when uh, the new Evangelion movie, the re- when the fourth rebuild yeah, movie comes year. out, I think we swore that the three of us would... Uh, assuming we are physically in the same place and physically able to see it in a location in that, you know, presumably Los Angeles, but uh, that we will watch that movie theatrically and do a, no oh, matter what's course. been going Hell on, we yes. absolutely will cover that. Of course, but we'll, we'll, we'll need to cover the rebuild. Yeah, we will. Before that. But that's, but yeah, that, that will, that will definitely happen. So t- TBD on exactly what form we're going to evolve into. Right now we're just lying on a beach. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see what <laughs> a red sea on mm-hmm. the on the cusp of a red sea, and we'll see what the future holds. Yep. Well, guys, Kevin, thanks for uh, thank you out with us. Yeah, guys, thank Luke, you. Luke, thanks very for much. having us over. <sighs> thanks, Luke. How disgusting. <laughs> okay, see everybody.